Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 407. Jeremy Miller, the disc golf guy, alongside Johnny V. We are not going to fall out the bottom of any buckets. Let me tell you that. <laughs> oh, my. What a we, weekend of disc We have golf. enough size where, I tell you what, we sit in a basket and I'm not, we're, not, we're not falling through. I'm not fitting through any hole in the bottom of a basket. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? You and me both, buddy. All right. Well, tonight we'll be talking with our champion on the MPO side from the Beaver State Fling. Out there flinging beavers like nobody's business. We're going to have Double G. He'll be Some joining us in a little while. Beaver Jerky? That could be a thing. Anything's possible. Some special commemorative rather than like special discs being made up uh, to commemorate a, a big win or a sizable win of that nature. Maybe there's some special jerky flavoring. Like some barbecue. I don't think you can call barbecued it barbecued beaver. beaver. I, I don't think you can call it beaver jerky because that has a bad, uh, probably uh, a low sales value in that. But I think you could say like. It depends on the industry. So, that's true. Some sort of barbecue beaver state fling. <laughs> Jerky. I think you need to have the entire title in there. You can't just say beaver jerky. I don't know. Uh, things could get sideways real quick. So we're going to have uh, Double G join us whenever he's around and available. Uh, <laughs> I sent him a link a little while ago. And uh, yeah, we'd love to welcome him to the show. Also reached out to our FPO champion in Valerie Mondahano. Unfortunately, <laughs> Again, we reached out to her and again she was champion. <laughs> I know. Uh, but unfortunately, she's unable to join us. Uh, but... At this rate, it seems like any week will work uh, if she keeps performing the way she is. The way she's rolling, no doubt. Incredible. So congratulations to her along with Double G on their performances this weekend. Uh, Also, in terms of performances, pretty incredible. And if you don't want to hear all the details, then close your ears now. But I went to the USADGC along with my good buddy Dustin. And boy, oh boy, were we in for a treat. And I'm not talking about... The seven playoff holes walking up and down the toboggan. 
I'm talking about just the overall weekend and the way everybody was treated. PDGA major, Discraft, everybody did it right. And then a couple of players at the very end taking things into extra innings, so to speak. And it it was truly incredible. And uh, round three is either available or will be out any minute now. And we're going to have a separate playoff. When a playoff is so long... <laughs> That you have to create as as a separate video, or it makes more sense to do so. Uh, you know, it's pretty incredible. So, uh, looking forward to that. Congratulations! You probably heard the name of the champion, um, but uh, Ilkin Ilkin Grow is your champion, and uh, in very impressive fashion. Even crazier is the gentleman he went up against, Paul. Also, just seventeen years old, and their birthdays two days apart. So uh, pretty incredible couple of competitors uh, that we saw out there this weekend. And and truly the entire field, you know, had their challenges, some ups, some downs, but uh, literally up and down the, the toboggan ski slopes, but uh, treated to some great golf, incredible course, and and a little bit of a preview for what we're going to see at Deaglo in a few weeks. There's uh, There's some changes out there. Really? Oh, yeah. It got tougher. I mean, we're only what three three years out from the perfect round or something like that. Yeah, from uh, and that hole doesn't even exist. Yeah. So I mean, Macbeth takes a par, and next thing you know, he winds to discraft, and they get, they, they rip the hole. They out. take the hole. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the similar fairway gets used, but uh, yeah, there's a little more teeth on the toboggan course. Now, something unique about this weekend, though, at the USA DGC uh, for the Am Championships was the fact that they don't play any of the OB that we see for the pro tour. So it's not exactly fair to completely, uh, you know, to compare the courses one for one uh, when it comes down to the scoring in a few weeks and all that other stuff. Obviously it's still challenging, um, but there is not as much roped or or strung OB, so to speak. Uh, Everything was natural out there. And spoiler, I saw zero OBs by the end of the weekend, which was uh, probably a good thing then. I don't, I don't think that'll be the case come D-Glow. How many foot faults did you see? <laughs> oh, then there's that conversation. And here's what my take is going to be on That's, it. That is the two, th- those are the two hottest topics is the Coriolis putt. Yep. And the... The, the Ilkin the, Grove putt. the, the putts. Putts. And the renewed foot fault conversation that we are seeing because of some of uh, some footage, yeah, and not even mine. Not even your footage, not, yet. not mine yet. Um, but mine will give you yet. I'll say it. I don't know if another angle is quite the word, but it'll give you uh, another look and perspective. And then if you want to slow it all the way down on YouTube's, you know, I do. Uh, yeah, exactly. Actually, I, can, can I get your raw footage? Yeah, I've got it right here. I want to um, use that CSI thing where they just go enhance, enhance. Yeah, enhance. exactly. Just hit the button and somehow more resolution appears. <laughs> that's right. That's that's very realistic. Well, I'll start there. As you mentioned, a renewed conversation about. Falling putts, jump putts, staggered putts, uh, running jump putts, staggered step reverse, whatever you want to call it. Bad putts. Yeah, all of it. All of it. I like big putts and I cannot lie. uh uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That is definitely your best hat, your best (laughs) mesh trucker hat that you wear. Um, Don't, don't talk or don't don't putt while I'm talking. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's a classic. Um. Of course, I, I'm overall 
the conversation gets really old because there's always an instance or two where it reemerges just like it has. And I understand. I understand it's a controversial subject. I feel as if there needs to be, if it's going to be addressed, and by it, I'll say any kind of potential footfalls or falling pots and step pots, all that stuff. There essentially, it needs to be an all or nothing scenario of like you, you cannot fall forward at all or move forward whatsoever or something of that nature. I, I, I don't know what the solution is, but it continues to ride the line of it's, it's really close to call. It's a lot of, depending on who it is, I was going to say a lot of times they're legal. But I guess it depends on the person. Uh, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. And then it continues to go back to, especially with the step putts, which are gaining more popularity, is if you're touching a blade of grass as you're stepping does forward, that does point? that count? As it, it, Does that make it illegal? Because when players, and this is all players, I'm not picking on any one player, but almost all players are touching some kind of grass or something, especially in longer grass, and especially when going uphill. Those are just physics, and it happens all the time. And if you want to have an argument or discussion about then what needs to be changed, then I think we need to talk about overhauling the rule. Yes, in real time, it's very difficult to see something. As far as I'm concerned or notice, there was no conversation about the step putting at any point during the round. At least while I was walking around with the lead and feature card all weekend, there was no conversation about it. There wasn't a discrepancy and a you know pointing or a whispering or a questioning. There was none of that. It wasn't until the final few putts of the tournament hit the internet that then the internet exploded from it. Well, so yes. just just for what that's worth, because some people will say, you know, why wasn't this done or or you know what was happening there? There was zero conversation about it on the ground, so to speak. Pardon the pun on the ground. There was no conversation about it whatsoever in real time. So I do want to relay that. Well, it's we're going to keep having this conversation because what we have now is a bad rule. Okay. Because I think I've said this before, it's a bad rule because it can't be definitively called. There's no way to defend. I truly believe 90% of all jump putts are probably illegal. I've seen enough okay. I've seen enough evidence. I jump putt it's probably illegal. I, yeah. I bet you, and you miss. And rarely. Terry, 90%. Rarely. You just miss. said 90% misses. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I said. No. Oh. <laughs> um, although I haven't yet added that. Probably. You're probably right. For yes. jump putts, I bet you 90% do miss. Yeah. Um, it's too close to call. And I bet you if you slow down frame by frame, you're going to see more players with the disc still kind of barely in their hand. And then you have the argument is, are they holding it? Is it just touching their hand? Are their fingers... It's too close to call. So having a marshal, as people scream about, doesn't do squat. Because the marshal is not going to be able to tell any better than the players. So unless players just start randomly calling it and are unsure about it, which nobody wants to do, that's kind of a dick move. It, it's just a bad rule. We have a bad rule, and players are, to their advantage, taking advantage of it. And I don't blame players. Like I said, I jump putt. I guarantee you mine's probably not good if you, if you slow it down. I've never been called in my life on it. So, and again, there are probably some that are really good. No, I keep one foot on the ground. Good, good for you. You're part of the 10%. But I've, I've seen enough to know that it's just not, it's not a sustainable rule. If players can't call it on the course in real time and 
when we and it's going to cause a ruckus like it does online at some point something has to be done about it does it matter that the the ruckus the very updated phrasing that you use ruckus. with ruckus that the online ruckus is just that it it, it initiates the the rage that's come about initiates online as opposed to right there with the competitors at the event does that matter to you when you when you see like the complaints are coming from the peanut gallery in general that type of thing wouldn't really bother me but we see it so often with this particular rule and somebody on the board had mentioned how uh i said uh Who's, someone said, who's going to second second him in a playoff? If you have to take it frame by frame. Uh, and then, oh yeah, someone said, the guy who finished second probably doesn't find this funny. And I said, the guy who's in second should have called him on the foot fault then. But, how does the guy in second, if he doesn't call him there, you go home, and sure enough, in slow motion, you watch it, and you're like, oh yeah, that guy did foot fault. I wasn't sure. Does that change your mind? Like, do, are you then more upset about it? I mean, does the PDGA have to look at it and say, oh, this was, yeah, this, this was, and I don't know about this particular thing. I haven't, I've watched it like once or twice. And again, it's not, it's not, I feel like as definitive as a lot of people are saying, it's pretty close. Give or take, whatever. Whether his back foot was off the ground, which I've heard, whether his front foot was touching the grass. There's a lot of different things about this, these particular putts. Because my understanding is he hit a big step putt to get into the playoffs. And then, spoiler, someone hits a big step put, step, step put, step putt to close out the event. Yeah. And so uh, I, I, I he, he attempted seven or nine other very similar putts sure. in the third round mm-hmm. uh, as well. And some of those went in and some of those didn't. Yeah. As so, did a lot of other players throughout the weekend. And as, okay, so Terry, maybe you, maybe you know this as Drifter, I know it all. Drifter Thrifter says, who does second that in a, in a playoff? Funny you ask. I have that answer. Tell me. Ready, readily available. Uh, in this specific case, yeah. Robert Leonard, who is, I'm going to call him the head marshal. He was a marshal. Head marshal. I, I don't know where him and Jeff Jaquas stand, and I, I'm they not about to, to. They have to arm wrestle. So, I'm, yeah, I'm not about <laughs> to start that mess. There's a, never mind. Um, right before the playoff started we heard robert leonard specifically say hey because there are two of you i will be the marshal making the calls so in this specific case that's who uh, you know he's the official marshal or a marshal that's there on on duty or acting in an okay, official so, capacity perfect. so he is he you know and so in a scenario where somebody is seconding or a, or a flat out rules infraction happens he is the guy that's that in charge i can only imagine how lit up the internet would be if robert leonard made that call and it was close or closer or whatever the whatever the definition is if or even Jeff Dupont, I don't want to put I don't want to put Robert Leonard on blast here by any means. Well, if if one of them made the call and it was too close to tell, or it was they were wrong in general. We've already seen PDGA, we've already seen the PDGA get uh, get attacked for the Elaine King thing, and now we're if if we saw something like that. Now what if what if the player calls it? Is that an automatic second? Even if Robert Leonard didn't see it. 
if he's like, I couldn't tell myself, that's pretty close. How does that look? That the, the marshal's not backing you up. Well, or what happens when specifically the marshal in that case, just like which could be said of any cameras out there, what if they're on the opposite side sure. of the person? I mean, let's let's be fair as we just slightly different angle, even exactly them or that's exactly my point. When you're looking at this and and I have essentially one angle because the other camera that we had there, uh, Dustin, my buddy, was solely focused on on Ilkin's face. Uh, as he was for most of the playoff putts and was looking for reactions. So from my vantage point where I saw him putting, I sat and went back and forth nine times, and I couldn't definitively say was the disc out of his hand or not. So there we continue to go on with the point of it's so close, and you could have seven you could have seven officials out there watching it in seven different angles, and you would not get a unanimous call from them. Certainly. So, this so is, that makes it difficult, which kind of goes on to your point. Right along with my point that if the rule can be is not definitive, then it's not a good rule. And it's something that I think, and I've said for probably a few years now, it's going to have to be looked at. At some point, we can't continue to do this. And and people are saying, well, let's just make it, um, let, let's just back the circle up to the 60-foot mark. How does that fix anything? Yeah, that does. No, because this was outside of 60 feet. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I think it was like a 61 or 62 footer. So, so technically it was inside circle yeah, two, as this, we call it. But let's say it was 67 feet. You yeah. haven't solved the problem. Correct. Though. Because the step putt still happens. The jump putt could still happen. Anything can still happen. So just extending the circle, this doesn't fix it. We've talked about, you know, there has been talks about uh, making it so you can't extend past your lie for any reason. I don't know if that's going to work out considering how long we see courses these days and how many second and third shots we're seeing from players who need to follow through outside the circle because in theory there is no difference between a follow through and one of these step putts. It, it just I don't have an answer. All I'm saying is that there's not a good solution right now. We don't have one. I don't know if we're going to have one. There's going to have to be a lot of thought put into this and we're going to have to at some point see a change and I, I look forward to whatever that change is, but I'm in no hurry for it. I want them to get it right before they just put something out there, which I don't foresee the PDGA doing. They usually kind of run some test scenarios on it, but yeah. Yeah, I, I will say this. I understand. Well, I don't know if I fully understand the, the immediate rage by everyone that saw it live or thought they saw it live. Or I, I, I don't know. I think it. I don't know if it was streamed or if it was just a clip originally a clip. that got everyone worked up. To me, at at the at that stage, especially at that stage, when you're talking about sixty one holes of golf, three rounds of eighteen plus seven playoff holes, I'm not about to make that particular I'm not going to go die on that hill in that particular scenario to take anything away from his win and that's not to say oh hey Terry loves loves people that break rules because I'm not saying he broke a rule I don't know if he did or not and I'm not going to make that claim I'm going to say that if there was any issue with it there was 60 other holes prior where something could have been said if it felt by the competitors that it was against the rules. And if they hadn't said anything or hadn't called anything, I don't think we can make a point of it because it happened to happen on the final hole as well. That that's where I will stand on it. 
um, like you. I, of course, I want things to be called correctly, and I want things to be fair and played by all the rules, whatever those rules are. But if it if it wasn't brought up or talked about or considered an issue the other 19 times he stepped putt in the, in the previous two days, then I don't think we can make it an issue on the final one if it looked like the previous 18. What if we kill two birds with one stone? I just thought about this. Oh, great. There is this new, we saw it at uh, Champions Cup, issue with the lie, right? You can't kick things out of your way, little pine cones and stuff like that, brush behind your lie. Now we see players stretching out three, four, five feet, laying down and cleaning whatever were the lies. What if we just say, if we just, rather than a piece of paper, we increase our lie back three feet from the disc, straight back in line with the disc, the width of a piece of paper, we'll say. And then you can do whatever you want, as long as you're inside that lie. If you want a step putt, that's great. Don't go in front of that disc. Don't don't make us a, a, a don't follow through and you have to over that. Advance you, or you need to maintain balance. You have to maintain balance before you just like we do now for inside the circle putts. You have to maintain balance behind the lie. And then from that point, once you've maintained balance, you can move forward. So if if you want to if you want to do a jump putt, that's cool. Step back 2 feet, 3 feet. If you want to step putt, step back 3 feet. And step putt so you, so your foot lands where the disc is, and then that eliminates the the whole issue of people clearing out their lie because we've now created a larger spot for a lie where people can clean things out. But if was, they want. but you're are you also suggesting that if you're standing at your lie, you have a, a, we'll use inches in this case. You have one meter. You have three point three feet. Yes. Um, you have one meter directly behind you, and you could also take a stance up to that full one meter and and put your supporting point at yeah. that full one meter behind you as I well. Think, I think so. Yeah, my my big issue with that, and is, I know it does give advantage if you're bumped up right on a tree. Exactly, you can, you're in a bush. I mean, there's there's yeah, clearly I, times where I, you're in a terrible yes, lie and six in, extra inches that you're not allowed in in mm-hmm. because you've already used your your twenty centimeters. You give yourself sixty or ninety or whatever the equivalent is. You give yourself all of that extra space. I feel like that could entirely change. It'll change the, the game. Lie. It'll yeah. change the game. I understand that. And I, I don't know what the right answer is, but it's a definitive solution. Yes, you end up in a bush. Cool. Do I get sure. do I get a meter back? Awesome. Right now we already for OB, so you can take it back as far as you want. We don't want to quote unquote double penalize you. Yeah. It's a thought. I'm not saying it's the right thought. I came up with it, so it probably no is. one's ever accused you of being too smart. <laughs> no one has ever accused you of that. Hmm. No, too smart. No one. For, someone has, no? people have said I'm too smart for my own good. I'm a smart ass. Uh, Those are all things that have been said about me. Okay. Um, so anyway, that's just an idea. Uh, throw it out in the comments. Yell at me. Uh, I'll take a look at them in the next day or two. Uh, r- the other thing we want to talk about real quick, since we have this going on, our kind of rules conversation, is the Corey Ellis putt. You and I had a quick, brief discussion about it before. Bad luck. Bad basket. What do is there anything we can do about it? Is it a is it a once in a ten year instance we're going to see something like this? Uh, I've seen everybody scream that there's no way this should ever happen on tour. We should be having someone check equipment. The pro tour should have their own baskets. Even though this was a silver series event, not an elite series event. Um, I've seen the gamut of everything, and we all agree it shouldn't happen. Well, that, <laughs> that that instance, that scenario should never happen. But it did. Yeah, and and let's just also for one moment 
scale it back just a little. Let's let's maintain a little bit of rage. No. Nobody in a million years, right, is walking around the 36 holes at Milo with a regulation putter and checking every single uh, little crevice, uh, you know, or gap that's in the bottom of it. I mean, that's clearly absurd. It is. Absolutely absurd. It, no, I don't care who you are. You could you could pay the funny me thing is a hundred thousand dollars a year and say your job at every event is to walk around and check every single spot where there's a weld on a basket. I said I will pass. I will. <laughs> I don't want that money. I would not do that. That's how absurd that premise is. Right? I, that you're going to go check I, every single. Basket. I see Evan, our cameraman on the board. He's volunteering. <laughs> Evan, uh, I don't know if that's a pay cut or a raise, but either way, let's get you that 100k. And, and all you got to do is walk around every basket that is going to be played, which is only a two dozen courses. I still, I don't want that and, money. That's and, ridiculous. And then what do you? What size disc do you use? Because the putters are different sizes. There's different. I, I still the, putt with a Jaguar. <laughs> I putt with a Condor. Exactly. So it, it would never have happened to me. My uh, soft pole cat, though, that's ooh, sliding right through. That's, that's going to fall right through. Not my Halo pole cat, though. <laughs> no, no, no. So no. My it, old school original soft pole cat. Oh, geez. Look at you. One-upsmanship. <laughs> no. Uh, that is... It's unfortunate. It sucks. I don't, I don't know the right answer. Because... As someone said, well, how come the Pro Tour doesn't have their own baskets? And and we know, guess what? You're talking about another crew that's got to drive 36 baskets, the different courses, set them up and take them down every weekend. That's money, time, labor, insurance. That, that's a big expense. And then what happens when one of those baskets breaks a well? Do you just replace it? Is it just a definitive, Do you, can you never fix a basket? It got... It, it, it got- uh, we've a seen dent in it and therefore yeah. it's off by uh, a fraction of an inch and then this happens on one of those baskets because those baskets are getting taken out and put and, in at every course we go to yeah. i guarantee you they're going to get more accidental damage in being hauled I, around for an entire year than any basket that's just been sitting on a course are, relatively yeah. unscathed for five years is every pole the same size terry no. Okay, so now we need to make sure that they're all portable baskets because you can't put them in the ground in the exact place. So now you need to take the old baskets out, move them, put bring them to wherever they need to be for a weekend or more because the argument then is going to be, well, the, the right baskets weren't on the course. Technically, the course has to be fully set up X amount of time beforehand, right? Yeah. So in theory, you need to have those baskets set up. Is there leeway in there? Eh, maybe. You know, I, I don't know if the players would want you changing baskets on the last day. There's just so much more to this that people aren't thinking about that they just think it's such an easy solution. Yeah. Um. And again, this is a Silver Series event. This didn't happen in an Elite Series. It it shouldn't never it shouldn't ever happen. But I mean, the odds, as someone said, there were 149 putts on that basket that went in, I believe, and. Um, numerous practice putts, probably. I bet you there's been fifty thousand putts that have successfully come to rest <laughs> on that basket. Like, it's it's I I, I under I understand the, the 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 concern and the the, the like this the rage or the fury if that's the case or just the thinking. And I think about other sports, baseball. We've seen night games where stadiums lose lights. Boom, faulty arena 
uh, football fields that just turn to mud. No grass. Is that a little different? Probably. I, I, I saw a, a golf hole a couple of years ago where a ball came in, hit a cup, and cracked the cup. And they had to stop play while they dug a new hole, a new cup hole for that. They, they had to rip it out, take it. It, it was like, and it was actually kind of amazing. It was like a three minute or four minute thing, how quickly they were able to do it. But we see faulty equipment in other sports on occasion. It's rare, just like this. So this will probably never happen again. Well, and let, let me be very clear. Johnny and I are in complete agreement that. Coriolis <laughs> deserved this. <laughs> yeah, because he's such a jerk. Oh my god! Finally, Karma's finally getting Corey. You can only be so nice for so long, That's and right. finally, you're gonna get what's coming to you. No, it. Uh, nobody is suggesting that we don't have standards and that this is okay or uh, that uh, you know it's no big deal because clearly it is. But also, it is this crazy anomaly. But also the extreme answers of thinking that carrying around a and and let me be clear, this is an approved basket. It, ha, it the, the the rumor had it that it was damaged at one point and then it was rewelded. That's just the rumor that I I've done no I other believe, reporting. I'm sorry, Matt Peckham. Matt Peckham, I believe, came on one of the boards and said this is an older basket. It's pre 2011. Okay, and that. Some of them had these issues with some putters, which is why they've now gone to a different model or different style of cage for all, anything after 2011 or 2012. Oh, okay. So I'd love to say, do we just have all force all tour stops to have modern baskets? But as, the, the issue we have is what modern basket? Everybody hates every basket. Yeah, I mean, except for the Mach Seven and the Mach X. Thank you, Tyler Brickley. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I think you're gonna, and and that's part of it. Even when the Disc Golf Pro Tour, in however they arrive at having their own standardized basket, which I know was discussed or mentioned or announced months ago, I I know no more details than that. Whatever it is, someone is still, like you just said, is still going to have a problem with it. It's not going to catch high left chain when certain other baskets do. It's not going to do this. It's not going to. It catches putts too well. It doesn't catch putts good enough. It's got a weird sweet spot. There's going to be something that somebody doesn't like about that basket. Now, it should always catch every disc that comes into the bottom of the basket. Like mine do. I. I don't know. I I don't. I was not there. I didn't look. I haven't even looked at the rules because I've been so busy. It, when it's all said and done, my opinion though is there should have been a conversation, and I feel like he should not have gotten the stroke. And I'm usually a pretty hardcore, like absolutist, like by the rules kind of guy. Like you'd say, well, he threw it, didn't go in, therefore you take another stroke. I understand uh, that if if you want the mm-hmm. absolute definition of the rule, but. It fell through the bottom of the basket, and I was telling you right before the show, something like this happened on a card I played on. I don't think it had it was me, but it was on a card I played on in Indiana many years ago. I might have even still been playing advanced, so in the 90s. And I remember we had a conversation, and it was the fault that it literally fell through the bottom of the basket, and the stroke ended up counting as if it stayed in, because it should have. You you can't throw at a basket that doesn't... It, if. I saw a disc go into a basket over through the top once. 
And that's supposed to not count. If it comes in the side and it wedges or doesn't it falls in and falls out, those are all different stories. This literally came into the this didn't just hit like a good spot on the chains. This came into the bottom of the basket and fell out the bottom of the basket. I disagree with whomever. I love all the people running the event. I disagree with whomever that that says that he sh- should have had to take the other stroke to then still tap out. I just, I personally disagree with that ruling like, politely and humbly. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm with you. Like, no one thinks that Corey should have gotten that stroke. Well, the tournament but did. By the letter of the law, he has to take it. It, it, you know, that that's it's. I kind of feel similar, almost, to like what happened to Hokum at Worlds, where it's like nobody wanted her to take those strokes. But I, I, she, but she was late. She could, she can't make it up. Those are the, that's the letter of the law. Those are the rules, regardless of what your card says. Regardless, because as we know, it's not just your card. You have to account for everybody else. You know how how bad, and and I'm just gonna throw him under a bus here because even though I know he wouldn't feel this way, let's say Double G wasn't the person he is, and he hears about this and he's like, well, that's not the rules, and it came down to a tie. He's like, well, yeah, but, but you should take that now. Most pros in this instance would side with Corey. I truly believe that. We can't, though. Now, I am all for, speaking of rules, talking about a trying to find a or an addition to our rules manual or a competition thing that maybe has a stipulation for faulty equipment. I mean... I don't know what that is. I don't know how that would look. Maybe if your whole group agrees to it, goes to the TD and the TD confirms it and, and can agree with that, then by all means, maybe that's a solution. But it's it's a very hard scenario. Yeah, and I of course, because this is what I, we do on the air, I was looking to see where where specifically, if anywhere, something of this nature would get referenced, whether it's in the actual rules book, which I wouldn't expect, but more so in the rules Q&A, which are a direct extension and therefore a valid part of our ruling. And I'd have to do 10 more minutes of digging around to figure it out if there's anywhere where something of this nature gets addressed. Yeah, I don't don't have... All right, either way. All right. Well, as soon as we run the PDGA, everybody will hate us. <laughs> Which, let's oh my be very God, clear. No one us. wants. Nobody wants that. Uh, and uh, including us. That's that's that is not the right th- call. Those- what is the right call is getting out there and voting. I know they're uh, working on all that right now. I was just going to look and see if there were any uh, what the specific dates and deadlines were. But uh, to make a very generic phrase, I'll say just make sure you get out and vote whenever it becomes fully available for everybody. As Would you have. say? Rock, or four new they, they should rock the vote yeah that's what we should do like the 90s in the 90s yeah that's exactly <laughs> yeah what we should be doing is rock the vote or we'll see man anyway i think you have to be a certain age all right for, for most of our jokes i'm sorry everybody <laughs> that, <that's very laughs> this true. is why our uh, this is why these people stay up late because they're all old you know <laughs> we don't get that early demo terry we don't get the 18 to 25 year old demo all right, so let's uh, let's recap a little bit of what else you saw, uh, what we saw at the Beaver State Fling. Uh, of course, there was not only just Valerie winning, um, I also think within the FPO division, um, as a side note that we'll get back to is Kristen Tatar, your new highest rated woman in the world. But first, let's talk a little bit about the women at the BSF. The Beaver State Fling continuing her 
dominance over the field, I would call it. I, I don't know of a better word. Uh, Valerie Mondahano. She put the hammer down and sweeps Oregon. Oregon. Are we, how are you you're going to start a real fight now. I know I am. You can argue Oregon. about baskets and step putts all day, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you, you say I, Oregon wrong. You're going to get, uh, somebody's going to beat your ass. Someone is going to find me. I think it's Marcus Burks, who's from Oregon. <laughs> yeah. The Burks family will be at my door. Uh, yeah, so Valerie Mondahano, just by hole six, when she birdied and Kat had taken a double, at that point, it kind of felt like Kat just couldn't catch up. And there was uh, there wasn't much that was going to happen after that. Own Scoggins continues her wonderful play by taking third. Obviously, as we said, Cat was second. Rebecca Cox as well fourth. Sarah Hokum, the queen of clean, as they call her, not quite so clean on that final round, but it was nasty weather. It was your Portland weather that everybody dreads. So she takes fifth, tied with Cat Merch, seventh place, Maria Oliva. Tied for eighth, Vanessa Van Dyken, Jen Allen, and tenth place, uh, Ella Hansen. So those are your top ten for FPO. Valerie is looking as good as any FPO player in our field right now. And I don't care who you are out there. I don't care what you say about the fact that you know this is a lighter field. Kristen Tatar wasn't there. All this other stuff. I don't care the way Valerie's playing right now. She looks so good and consistent. And she's not blowing anybody away with her distance. She is just so consistent with her drives. She doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And she hits a majority of her putts inside the circle. I'm looking at the final day. She had one miss inside the circle. One. And she hit one from circle two. So she was 92% C1X. Yeah, certainly a, a very impressive performance. And when it was all said and done, uh, I'm looking at just four bogeys on the entire weekend for her. In, uh, in that some, weather, on yeah. a course that people people at FPO have claimed it's not a great FPO course. Yeah, you th- you think about the slips, you think about the the releases, the the rain jacket fitting just right or not, or the raindrop hitting you in just the wrong time when you're releasing a drive or or a putt or an approach or whatever the case might be. All of those types of things that can go wrong out there. And to see her with ultimately four bogeys on the weekend, clean during that final round, as you mentioned, just very solid golf. And uh, hats off, congratulations! Like hitting her stride and and just rolling with it and uh it's very very impressive like i said we reached out she unfortunately wasn't around tonight to join us but uh again at this rate maybe we'll just have to ask her back next week maybe she's just gonna have to have a standing invite at this point next week is the match play so maybe she'll take home the match play i don't know if she's playing in and i haven't looked we can talk about match play a little later but uh she's she's got to be one of your favorites for the preserve yeah, I mean, just uh, firing on all cylinders. I think we're going to see the return of Kristen uh, Tatar to try and defend her title there. But did, right now, I'm not sure Valerie's as worried about that as she just wants to go out and keep rolling with the momentum that she's bringing to these other events. So uh, very impressive. Also, you you mentioned it, Rebecca Cox taking fourth. I believe she also celebrated a birthday over the weekend. So happy birthday to uh, Rebecca Cox. And a top four finish. Uh, is uh, on such a beautiful pair of tracks. I think everyone obviously not only loves playing there, but then when you're performing well there, you know that you're playing good golf because that's exactly what it requires. And 
interesting that this year they did not do a four round tournament. It was only three. Normally we see day one you that you play back to back rounds, and then two and three you play mm-hmm. one round uh, each. They didn't do that this year. It was just one round a day, so it's a little bit of a, a detour from what we've seen in the past. So, I, and I don't know if that's going to change in the future, or if this is just kind of your standard. DGPT event now your silver series if it's, if it's kind of a requirement for silver series even though those those rounds aren't covered live I don't know why you couldn't but that would put a little bit of pressure on post production depending if you wanted all of them covered versus just one of them there's a whole lot of other things you got to think about yeah, but it's it was different this year than it has been in the past yeah and and uh, again big shout out and it was very unique in that Johnny nor I were in any way involved with this weekend's yeah. uh, broadcast so it. All the fact co- that we had live signal, uh, we were able to watch live golf from Milo for the first time, is truly just a testament to the advancements that we're continuing to see on the Disc Golf Network. That's that's a course that we had tested multiple years, and with some lesser quality equipment that just simply wasn't robust enough, we, we truly were not capable of broadcasting from out there. So as we're seeing more and more uh, develop on the Disc Golf Network and then the ramping up the quality and the production, that we're able to have an event now covered live that otherwise wasn't be, wouldn't be. And I want to tell people, don't take that for granted. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we've come a long way, and I know we continue to see the standards get raised, and now everyone has these new expectations because the first comment I saw this weekend was, oh, yeah, well, I can't see it on Friday and Saturday. Well, that's because it was a Silver Series event that a few months ago wasn't going to be live at all. So temper yourself, slow your roll, and uh, enjoy what's available, especially when it's bonus. There's nothing worse, <laughs> nothing worse than complaints about bonus stuff. I, I just... All right, people. Enough of that. <laughs> anyway... Um, we can talk about MPO a little bit. Let's Obviously, hear ho- it. Hopefully, we're going to have our champion on sooner than later. And Double G, he wins. So he is continuing his hot streak through uh, Oregon. <laughs> I, I know. I'm, I'm, every time you laugh, Terry. He took second place at Portland, the Portland Open behind Simon, mm-hmm. coming down to the final hole, as we saw. Second, uh, this, this week, he just, you know, he's able to, I don't say walk it in, but parring the last seven holes and still winning by two strokes is definitely uh, able. (laughs) He was able to take it a little easier. We'll put it that way. There was less pressure on him here than there was the week before. He could keep it on cruise control. Sure. Is that a good way to put it? (laughs) He he said it at 80 and then was able to, uh... I thought it was funny that he was throwing with, uh, with a disc in his other hand. He had a bag of beef jerky, but (laughs) I just, I I don't know. His putt looks so good. Product plugs in there. Exactly. His putt looks so good right now. For double G, and I want to say that because he has such a unique putting style. He's got that big rainbow putt that yeah, big lofty that tends to leave the the picture frame when we're watching it, and then comes smashing in. And we've always said it: you can make any putt work for you. He's got his working for him right now, so he's a. I would have to say he's one of the odds-on favorites for the match play if he's playing it. I don't know if he is. I haven't <laughs> looked at the match play. I looked, tried to look earlier today on the DGPT website. It wasn't there. And I know Kelvin now, I think, is possibly withdrawing and everything's going to get shuffled around. So. I think at one point, 
You, you think they're going to ask you? Yeah, I, I'm going to bring my bag just in case. <laughs> you never know, Terry. A spot opens up uh, because that's what it sounds like is going down over there. So You never know, Terry. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring my bag, my bag of jerky. <laughs> Second place, the ace man himself, strawberry uh, his, in his strawberry shirt. Uh, I got to watch a little bit. I put it on the table during dinner on Sunday and had it sitting there while we were eating. And, and I kind of chuckled. I'm like, oh, he's wearing a strawberry shirt. And my son's like, his what? Like strawberry colored? I'm like, no, it's a strawberry shirt. And I spun it around and my son almost spit out his food <laughs> laughing. He's like, that is a strawberry shirt. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't lie, buddy. Um, so Joel Freeman taking second place. He got an ace on hole 13. It was a skip ace. The video's out there. Please, by all means, go look. It's pretty awesome. But as many people do, followed up with a bogey. That adrenaline probably making it a little difficult to throw and accurate and all that other stuff. As we heard, uh, Corey Ellis, third place. Uh, he lost by three strokes, all three of which he lost from discs falling out of uh, the basket. <laughs> yes, there was actually. Three. The ones that you didn't see, go uh-huh. figure. Um, <laughs> the the young gun himself, Cole Rodalin, fourth place. He is out of the, uh, is it Washington, Oregon area? He's out of Oregon, Hillsborough, Oregon. So he's a local to that area and as local as maybe that is. He could be three hours away for all I know, but... <laughs> Cole, you've got that Oregon geography on lock tonight on lockdown (laughs) for those of you that don't know. And I think this maybe goes unsaid a little bit. Take a look at the Beaver State fling logo. That is a beaver in the shape of Oregon in case a lot of people didn't Mm. know that. So the first time I think it was that logo had been out like two or three years before I knew that. Oh, it's been around for a long time, yeah. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying it was out two or three years before oh, even sure. I noticed it. And you can see it, the beaver with the teeth and everything. It's it's in the shape of Oregon. So a little uh, tidbit that maybe if you didn't know. A cool trophy, too, that we saw. Fourth place, Evan Scott. Tied with Cole. Uh, tied a three, no, four-way, I'm sorry. Tied for sixth place. Kevin Jones, maybe starting to heat up finally. He's been kind of right around that top ten. I'm, I know he's not... Uh, as happy with his season as I'm sure he'd like to be. He'd like to be finishing more on those podiums. Albert Tom, Connor O'Reilly, and Linus Carlson in sixth. So, And then Gannon Burr, another top ten finish, tied with Mason Ford, Chandler Kramer, and Alex Russell. Carney Schill says, that logo is the best to have on a hat. I think you might be right. I have it on a hat. I used to. I don't know where it went. You had a Beaver State hat? I did, because I went there with you one time. Hmm. Yeah, I think I bought one, and I don't know what happened. And they won't let you back? Well, let's just say there's legal issues. <laughs> well, there's going to be. <laughs> when they find out, there's going to be. There's going to be. Yes, I have one of those uh, hats uh, as well. It's certainly uh, an iconic logo within disc golf. All right. Um, I'm going to send another message to Double G. Um yeah, and in all fairness, I'd ask Double G to be on the show. We weren't necessarily explicit back and forth about the exact timing. I did give him a relatively open-ended offer, <laughs> offer um, and we did chat moments before we went live, so I was thinking he was ready, but uh, then again, he could have just been sitting down to dinner, as uh, I know he's not in the same time zone that we are right now. So Double G will be here. Just stay tuned for that. <laughs> All right, let's quickly talk about, you know, the the things that no one cares about, the PDGA ratings updates. And I would say this could be a re- really short conversation as much as I'm I'm good with ratings and I'm fine 
with people liking them one way or I'm sorry, people recognizing them one way or another. I'm not anti ratings like I hear so many other people uh, every update. But I think I don't one think of the, anyone is anti rating. I uh, think. people. Oh, yeah. I think there are tons of them. No, I think people think they're just, stupid. They're not worthwhile. We don't need them. They're not accurate. Oh, I, think I've, I hear it all. The, the, but most of those don't mean you're anti-rating just because you say that they're not accurate or you say that you don't care about them doesn't mean you're they should get rid of them i'd consider when someone says they should get rid of ratings entirely i consider that anti-rating i will agree with you there (laughs) and i i hear that i hear all of it absolutely of course all of it well once you get to a thousand then you shouldn't get a rating anymore i i don't think i i don't even think i understand that logic what happened then so you have a rating again when you dip back down to nine now you're 998 yeah now we're going to show your rating it's a, it, oh, you're a thousand one. Yeah, we we don't know what you are. We just we know you're over a thousand. Like I, mean, I, I the personally idea, do not understand that logic. Oh, really? Of I, once I, you get to a thousand, well, then we're not going to even tell you what it is. I understand the logic. There's I, a world of difference between a thousand and a ten fifty eight. Sure, a huge difference. So I don't put all thousand rated golfers in the same category anymore. So yes, I think it does matter when you say you're a thousand and one, and someone's ten forty seven. That is still a world of difference. They're both good golfers, yeah. but there's a world of difference between those two golfers. That isn't going to determine who wins the tournament. Clearly, you still have to play it. But there's a world of difference between 1,001 and 1047. All right, move on. Kristen Tatar is your new ratings <laughs> leader okay. on the FPOs. I don't even know who is on MPO. I just thought the news from Kristen uh, was was big, uh, more than enough news um, just because that spot has been so coveted and held down by Paige Pierce for so long. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can't argue Kristen Tatar has been playing the best golf in the FPO field this year, followed up probably by Valerie Mondahano. Uh, no doubt about it. All right. I see you've pulled it up. Maybe you can get some uh, information, which I think is already outdated. Oh, it's definitely outdated because I, I just looked up the Disc Golf Pro Tour social media and this. All right. Another mini rant. I'm gonna I'm gonna text Mo while you do this. Go ahead, and, and you can uh, there you can dip out a frame if you want here. <laughs> oh, disc golf pro tour. I work with you. I love you. I think all the guys are awesome. You should break up. What? <laughs> Sounds like you are. We need more places to find the stuff. Put it on your website. All of it should go on your website. Anything you post on social media, for the most part, informational should be on the website as well. I don't like to have to search through different through Facebook or Instagram to find this information. It should be on the website. Easy for everyone to find. I've said this for two years. Let's make it happen. Mo's I, on the board. I just asked him. I, I, I know. I know he is, but, and this is not a Mo thing. Cause Mo doesn't control social media anymore. And he's very happy. He doesn't, he, he <laughs> cheers, he cheers that he doesn't have to do a deal with social media, but th- this should be out there for everybody. I shouldn't have to dig back to June 8th to find this information. Anyway, let's continue. Um, right now, the MPO pool assignments, which are probably all going to get shaken up now. I think it, those are all wrong, yeah. Yeah, because if Calvin Heinberg, who was your number one seed, isn't showing up, we now have the, let's just call it the tier two match play championships because no one in our top tier of MPO sounds like they're going to play. So this is a great bonus for everybody else. Awesome. Not to say that they were guaranteed to win, but you know what? R- Ricky is hurt. Calvin says he hasn't feel well. Macbeth is busy going to... Uh, I think another country to put he, it. He, he arrived in Montenegro. Him yesterday? In, they left Sunday night, I believe, shortly after the Beaver State fling concluded. Him and uh, Hannah had gone to Montenegro, where you also see Avery Jenkins, <laughs> and they're working on a 
uh, and they're working on a um, a course. Mo says that he sent me the information dump again. I, I probably have it in my email. Oh, I've got. Oh, oh, oh here's some exclusives. What? Exclusives. Thanks to Mo's yeah. email. Yes. The match. Here we go. Here's some match play time. action, guys. So you just had to just had to. I know. He's check your emails that we didn't check. We're seeing Gannon. Gannon Burr is listed as a number one seed um, uh, going up with against Laurie uh, Loretson. And in the women's side, I'm looking, scrolling to confirm that I'm wildly confused by this thing. Well, these are MPO. Oh, there we go. There. Yes. Just scroll uh, down. No, no, no. Sorry. sorry. I was looking at Missy Gannon is listed as your number one seed on the FPO side. Cap Merch listed as the number two seed. Oh, so- Ella. Hansen listed so as number three. Valerie Mondahano wasn't even playing then because she was listed. I don't as believe the one she scene. is. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Valerie uh, Mason and taking a uh, taking a break. The, I just know. I just believe they're not playing. I think I saw that okay. on social. Uh, Sarah Holcomb as your fourth seed. Ode Scoggins as your fifth. Emily Beach as your sixth seed, and Maria Oliven as your seventh. And I'll round it out with your eighth seed is Holland Hanley. And then ultimately, there are 16 seeds on the FPO side. I believe there's the same on the MPO side. Gannon Burr ranked as your first. James Conrad as your second. Joel Freeman, your third. And Kevin Jones, your fourth. So as I understand it, we're going to see... Oh, there's all the seeds right there. <laughs> yeah, you could have just looked on the right-hand side, Jared. I'm not smart. I never claimed to be. Um, there's to be fair, be Terry doesn't know how to use spreadsheets. <laughs> three... Separate matches that you're going to be able to consume on Friday. Three separate, I don't want to call them mini broadcasts, so three broadcasts that you're going to see on Friday um, as we're looking at them, and then three on Saturday, and then ultimately two on Sunday. So tune in. We'll, we will be fully up to speed by then, right, Johnny? You and I will know what we're talking about. Absolutely not. Um <laughs> I just found out like two days ago that there was going to be three rounds in a day. So that's how much. Uh, that's Get up to it. speed, bro. I, I know. You, Terry, I usually check all that information a day or two before the event. I show up that morning. Mo tells me about any changes that have been made. And then from there, I open up the rundown. I sit here ready to switch the show with the rundown. And as Mo changes it moments before the rundown happens, I can see that. Usually it's something silly like, Hey, we're going to get a, a, a walk-in shot from Simon. And then that changes to, oh, no, we got this really kick-ass walk-in shot from Double G. So we're going to use that instead. Little- and then there's a cat on a, on a telephone pole. So there, we're going to get that. There would be no golf if there was a cat on a telephone pole. <laughs> Mo would just shut the show down. And, and that's all we'd watch. And that's all we'd watch. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd take bets on when this cat is going to jump or yes. not from the telephone pole. Yes, I don't care. It could be worlds. It wouldn't matter. If there's a cat on a telephone pole. <laughs> that's what we're watching. That's what we're watching. And we're not talking cat merch or cat Allen. Uh, uh, both probably, honestly. <laughs> if either of them or an actual physical cat was on a telephone <laughs> yeah. pole, we would be watching that. All right. Mo, thank you. He's on the board. He goes, here Here it is again. Here's all the information that he sent me uh, yesterday. So there, there's a reason I'm not fully Mo caught says, up on Mo says, should I just emails. not send you those emails anymore? Because I work Please so- do. Mo, no, please. Because now do, I've got a reference point. I do look at them. I just told you. I look at them before the, a couple days before the event. I, I don't, if, if I look at them on Monday, they're already changing by Wednesday. <laughs> so, you know, and sorry I missed the Monday meeting. I just busy at work all right we've got them all we've got them all anyway match play championship happening this weekend it's gonna be three rounds three 
broadcast. A morning session, an afternoon yes. session, and an evening session. The matches are 12 holes, yep. so each broadcast should be about two and a half to three hours, giving us about a half hour break in between shows. So I'm just going to read the email I, from Mo. I knew all that because I read that. That's how I knew that information. <laughs> there you go. Because my wife asked me, she's like, are you going to be free on Friday night? We've got dinner at six. I'm like, mm, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm like, go without me. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I do read. All right, stuff, tune huh? in, Bailey, Colorado. Looking forward to it this I think, weekend. I am excited to see how the elevation affects everyone's discs. If if we're going to notice anything different, things hyzering out more, players having a little bit more of a struggle, maybe with some longer putts. Uh, what you know, you can kind of maybe take a comparison from the average C two uh, percentage for some of these players up until this event, and if it's small smaller uh, for this event, maybe you can equate that to. The difference in elevation. Do you feel as if, and, and I'm going to go back a couple of years to this uh, rumor, do you feel as if any of our players are potentially foregoing this event because they don't want to possibly mess up their game at all, playing a weekend or two in elevation, uh, and just feel like, hey, I have to go I there, I have so. to adapt to this, it's going to make my game weird for a weekend, and it's just not worth messing with my game. Therefore, I'll skip it. Is there any chance any of our top competitors are using that as their as their uh, logic or mentality? I don't think so. I think our players are good enough where if they played a weekend here and then went to the preserve, had a couple of days of warm up, they would be fine. I mean, okay. I don't believe so. I just truly think that this event for most of our top players doesn't have. I hate to say it, but a big enough financial draw that they care. Because it's, sure, it's, it's finances. I, I think that's part of it. I think there's ten and there's ten thousand dollars on the line, I believe, for the winner. Okay. And that's a huge chunk of change. I was for, gonna say that's as big as any purse has yep. been this year. But there's no prestige behind it. Ricky, Paul, Simon I mean, Simon cares about everything, but uh Eagle in general, I, I, maybe he would be no, playing. Eagle's injured, but yeah. He's injured. And most of our guys are hurt right now, by the way, of some sort. I think if they weren't hurt, you might see one or two of them dip in. I think Calvin had all intentions of playing, and then he just said, you know, my body just doesn't quite feel right. I want to take a break. There is not a lot of more breaks that we're going to see this year. So this is a perfect opportunity. If you tell somebody you have a chance at $10,000 this week, but it might wreck you, and you're not going to get another break for six weeks. Or you can take this break and maybe you're better, more refreshed for the elite series events that really matter in the uh, in the playoff and the pro tour finale. Now, if you if they want people to come to this, you almost need to start assigning points to this for your pro tour finale. You almost have to give additional incentives. Trust me, I guarantee you, Ezra Aderhold, Jeremy Coling, Nicola Castro, Alden Harris, they are loving this. That they don't have to go up against these big guys. They're gonna they're gonna take this extremely seriously. They're going to relish the money that they win. It's great for them. And but again, Eagle, Sexton, Simon, Paul, Calvin, Ricky, ten grand. It's great. Is it enough incentive? to go out of your way and add that many days of practice on a course you probably don't know, cut out your next day of your, your a couple days of practice for the next elite series event. I don't know. And, and I, I I'm, I'm not 
here to say that the Pro Tour needs to put more money into this event because that's not... Um, I don't believe that that is uh, necessarily the right solution. And the Pro Tour puts a ton of money into this event already. Yeah, I like. You, I'm, I'm, I'm not Pro Tour slash Dismania. Dismi- yes, yeah. everybody, the sponsors, all that stuff. There's a lot of money that goes into this. I don't know if we can get to an amount, maybe twenty grand, where pros really take this. The top pros really look at this and say, "I need to make sure I'm there." Not if it fits into my schedule, but I need to make sure I'm there. Well, I th- I think it poses along these lines the question of exhibition. The All-Star weekend that is typically has been kicking off the year. The the Celebrity Pro-Am this weekend. You know, there's there's three very specific events that clearly don't come with the Elite Series branding and points and prestige. However, they're still a very concerted effort by the Disc Golf Network and the Disc Golf Pro Tour to provide another opportunity for our top-level pros and not only for money but for more exposure and to provide content for our Disc Golf Network subscribers. The, I think the question that is going to continue to get wrestled around with is what is the incentive for the players to actually be there? Because like we were saying, money used to be enough back in the day. Now... In today's standards, our top level players aren't as driven by money. I mean, the the opportunity to win ten grand was once a year for the last couple decades, it and was now CGC. and now it's it's money of that similar nature is up for grabs every other weekend. It feels like so clearly it's not just money. the The question is, yeah, how do we incentivize and or will it always be kind of under that exhibition? mentality of i i'll make it if i can or i'll make it maybe sort of if i feel like it we're we're always in a we're in a funny crossroad now of players don't need to play every weekend and players don't want to play every weekend fans may want it and they continue to to <laughs> to pull for it and and there's a lot of disappointed people that are saying oh so and so's not playing they're not in my community they're skipping this silver series event or they're not going to be at this exhibition matchup uh, again it's it's there we're, we have two different forces pulling we've got what the players want and need and then also what the player uh, what the fans want and need and where that intersection is going to go i think continues to become a muddier and more clouded intersection every single weekend where a few years ago you just had to follow the money that that was almost always the answer and now there's so many more factors to it players make a majority of their money off the course in disc sales most of them and thing and sponsorships and bonuses, which you need to play events to get. But if I'm reading the tea leaves, right, we're going to see more events and players not attending every event. You're not going to get, you know, at some point, I think the pro tour right now, we're, Oh God, most going to hate me. I think we're 12 stops. Sounds all right. I'm not about to be wrong. So 12, 12, 12 elite series events. That sounds about right. Um, and then like six silver series or seven silver series, whatever it is, match play all-star at some point, I think we're going to get to be about 16 elite series events is my guess. And players won't go to all of them. They won't need to, in order to make the finals. We're already seeing Chris Dickerson do it. He's kind of like, eh, West coast. I won't, I don't need those events. You know, West coast. It's expensive. You know, California ain't cheap. 
Driving ain't cheap. Gas is expensive. Flights are expensive. Thanks, Bush. <laughs> is that the right one? No, I don't know. it was Carter. Ah, dang it. <laughs> Thanks, Carter. Um, <laughs> let's see if I can get Terry to spit his drink out through his nose. Um, <laughs> we're going to see that, and that's just the future of the sport. So the top players might not be coming to every event. They might not come to your city. So, which is going to make spectating even more interesting. Is you know, are you going to travel more to make sure you see a player that is signed up for you the event you want to go see if it's a favorite player, or do you just care about going to see the golf? I say, pro tours in your area, go see it. It's awesome. I'm going to kind of do that with the USWDGC. So, all right. Well, uh, Mo just enters the chat, and and of course, I don't think we're at. I mean, there's a lot of similarities that we can continue to oh. look to the PGA, but yet so many differences, and there's a whole other story with where the PGA is going right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, as, he, as he says, there are 44 or 46 PGA events right now. Again, I don't know that that's a fair comparison. Uh, when you're talking about some of those golfers that are the worst in PGA golf for the year are still making more than like 99% of our disc 20, golfers. 20,000 for bottom cash or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, we still have a lot of, um, I mean, I don't know that all our comparisons are equal there, but I do hear you. And, and obviously the sport of golf is a, still yet a very different industry from where, where, where we are at, but we still already know. And that's where you can draw that similarity. You, you go to an event, you're hoping to see whoever the best is at that time or in that era or that whatever, you know, there was the longest time people were going to golf and clearly Tiger Woods single-handedly helped revive and electrify golf for more than a decade. And we've seen some of that influence that we have at our events when there's certain players, not at an event, it just, it doesn't hold the same shine. Okay. Yeah. Carney says gas was 89 cents when I was 16. That's about right when Johnny and I were. So you must be in a, a similar age bracket. Yeah, maybe just a, sure. maybe just a hair older because I think I remember it being like 99 cents or something right under a buck. Maybe. All right. Uh, we are. <laughs> are we still waiting on double G? That's that's. And the, he, he didn't ring you up and then you hung up on him. I don't believe he did. Okay. Uh, just just confirming that. Um. Last week, we had Simon Lazat. Of course, I know when we're talking about players who are present, who aren't, who are available, uh, things of that nature. Simon not competing this weekend. Uh, just made a post yesterday uh, celebrating and, and the excitement uh, that his son uh, Emmett is uh, four months old. So Simon very much enjoy, enjoying the dad life. And I don't know if this is a, an exclusive or a secret of any kind. Oh, but spread it. Come on, Terry. Spread those wings. Rumor has it, a little eagle uh, has informed me that <laughs> we might see or hear from Eagle McMahon this weekend. It sounds like well, that, he that, might be on site as that rumor was last week too, uh, as part of something to do with our broadcast. And if so, that could be a lot of fun. I guess the the follow up to that is when we talk about uh, the fun of the match play. Last year, we saw a little trash talking. We saw Missy Gannon show up in a shirt and uh, best moment of the uh, yeah and troll conferences. Uh, considerably uh, call out and troll some of her competitors. Do you think we're going to see some of that fun? Is there going to be any one upsmanship or uh, yes. playfulness that we'll see this weekend? Yes, I guarantee there will be. What uh, <laughs> I, I think Missy ups her game a little bit. I think she has to now. She's obligated by law. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, okay. 
So uh, let, let me again look at who's in here. Um, who, who do I? Who could I see in here? Uh, again, uh, Burr, Conrad, Freeman, Jones, LeCastro. I don't see a lot of the men upping their game. Like I think we're going to see some of the whole Kevin Jones double G that we saw last year, mm. jokingly, you know, the, the whole face-off thing. But to me, oh, oh, that, that's, that's not nearly as fun as what the women pulled off last year with some of their matching T-shirts and things like that. The women are more creative than our MPO. Wow, that's... That's a given. Uh, I, I read down to Holland Hanley earlier, uh, and then following up after her uh, on the docket, we got Lisa Fakus, Natalie Ryan, Jen Allen, Rebecca Cox, Vanessa Van Dyken, Deanne Carey, Holly Finley, and Luca Lorenzen. I could so. see Holly Finley doing something fun. I mean, Diesel is... D- uh, Diesel could. <laughs> I'm dressed up like Optimus Prime. We know uh, Owen will be having a good time with it, that's for sure. And then I'll round out the men. It shows Simon Lazat as listed on here. Uh, of course, yeah. a Discmania event. Uh, Aaron Gossage, Ezra Aderhold, Kyle Klein, Luke Humphreys, Chandler Fry, Alden Harris, Jeremy Colling, Anthony Barella, Bradley Williams, and Albert Tom. So those are the 32 that we should expect this weekend as of... Recording of this podcast on Tuesday night. Just spoil it for me, Terry. Who's going to win? I don't want to have to watch. I, I need to know more about the course. It's a Colorado course. Elevation, up and down. Yeah, but... That's all. No, that's all you can say. <laughs> um, man, that is a good question. Mm. This could be... Uh, we've it's hard to bet against Joel Freeman, honestly. It is, but I, I'm just wondering if we're going to see another, can you have another breakout performance? Can you have more than one? Aaron Gossage, maybe this is his weekend in a unique format with with slightly different rules, not that he needs those, but maybe maybe Aaron Gossage is going to make a bigger splash than he has before with, with a stellar performance this weekend. That would not surprise me. And then, man, Ella Hansen, you got to love her to overpower anything out on those courses no you don't think so who you i i think she's going to struggle a little bit because i don't know if she's ever played in colorado Mm. so i think the experience is going to probably um hamper her i'm not saying she can't win any of those women can win but i feel like you want to find someone who's used to throwing slightly less stable plastic and i don't believe that's ella i think she she's she's more of a crusher so not, I mean, surprise me. I like Ella. <laughs> all right. All right. It sounds like you're calling her out. <laughs> yeah, completely. I'm completely, totally. Yes. You're, you're calling her out saying, um, yeah, come. come uh. I, I could see this being an event Lisa Fakus wins. Okay. I want to make another update. Uh, the PDGA hiring, now hiring event support and training manager, a West Coast representative. Uh, they posted this on their website a couple days ago. I wanted to go back to that real quick. Make sure you check that out. You can find that on PDGA.com. They have it under their announcement section. And they've also been making some announcements with regard to what we're going to see for our next major coming up at the U.S. Women's taking place just a hour west of where Johnny V and I are over in Madison, Wisconsin. I know some more details have been announced and released for that. And then also, of course, we've seen some new disapproved uh, as well over the last week or so. No surprise there. Yeah, lots of plastic always being approved. All right. 
Have you heard anything from Double G Terry? <laughs> no, this is it's getting a lot. We might he might have to be our after show guest. Uh, at this rate. It's looking at it like uh, at, at this rate. Uh, again, I don't know if there's a miscommunication or maybe there's a technical challenge or he's in somewhere now that has no signal and uh, and his phone died and he accidentally ran it over. Anything's possible, I suppose. <laughs> he left it on the grill. <laughs> oh, he's he's got phone jerky now. <laughs> uh i don't know if that's yeah yeah we'll we'll call that a thing that, that's quite possible uh so what i'm going to do is we can read a few things off the board here and then i would say if that's, we don't if we a, don't hear from him very soon we could call it on the regular show and then we can decide if we want to get into an after show uh and I, then hopefully double g joins us because i do want to get into an after show because you got, talk, do you oh, have shows to talk about? No, I want to talk to you about the live golf. Oh, yeah. I, I'm hoping they contract me. I'm ready to sign. I think they are. <laughs> uh, that would be kind of funny. Um, I'm going to quickly read down any of the uh, things and see if we have to touch on them. Oh, Evan says you're just picking the Colorado boys, as in uh, Joel. That's a good call. Yeah, knowing that-, that, that was part of the reason why I could see Joel winning. Not only is he playing well, he's from Colorado, so he's used to the elevation changes i mean that just sets up for you know homeboy victory oh ray asks a great question is the dave wiggins documentary on dgn yet has anyone watched i believe it was released last week i know uh we obviously we had dave wiggins a couple weeks ago on the show and then i think it was released last week i'll be the first to admit i have not had a chance to go out and consume it myself um because i've been doing some shot by shot coverage for the u.s amateur championships but i'm almost positive it was i'm i'm gonna go ahead and bet can i bet the farm on it throw for dough throw for dough available it's a 16 minute story of distance world record holder david wiggins jr and his possible return to the game spoiler he told us he was coming back um but yeah it is out on dgn okay uh Mo is out on the board. Says I have a lot to work to, of work to catch up on, which is why he's up so late. You are. I heard you were out in in. Uh, well, I was going to say Portland, yeah, uh, Portland you, area for the BSF this weekend. Uh, hope you had a good time out there, Mo. Yeah, Mo. Were you hucking camera? What were you doing out there? Just uh, just lounging. You know, kick your feet up. <laughs> taking sam's job now <laughs> uh josh asks a great question says terry how did you accidentally go live on smashbox yesterday funny story to that real quick okay stop uh, polluting our brand first of all <laughs> yeah definitely because somehow i can drag it down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give me a break um yesterday i went on to the system that I used last week when I did the podcast solo and I used a, a different setup than what Johnny and I use when we're at his house. I use something at my house. Well, I had to have uh, West Shinovar Sh- join us. Uh, Team Stamp West is what he goes by. Many of you, if you're a Discraft uh, fan and or supporter, you definitely know Team Stamp West, right? He, I believe, is the captain of the discraft underground team amazing individual and human they call him head mole man (laughs) underground team is a mole yeah Yeah. so he graciously said he would join me in commentary for the usam championships he did it he came over very late on saturday night uh so that we could do round one coverage and then by the time i got home and had rounds two and three to do we had to do it remotely so yesterday i fired up the old system and i clicked on the button and i 
at one point, because it still had the settings in there from last week's broadcast or podcast, I clicked on the setting that said, oh, make this private. So nobody, nobody would be able to see it. It would stream, but it wouldn't be anybody would be able to see it. So no big deal. Well, at some point after doing a test, I think it either resets or I clicked on something. And lo and behold, when we did go live to actually then start doing the uh, <laughs> to start doing the commentary, mm-hmm. utilizing the same system, it was pushing out to our Smashbox YouTube channel. So thankfully, only about 60 or 90 seconds in, people had arrived on the chat saying, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I wasn't supposed to click those buttons. So I very uh, abruptly ended the stream which thankfully I didn't say anything too stupid or incriminating uh, incriminating in those few moments. Give me time, I always will. And instead, uh, close it down, and then we were able to do our offline recording so that the world did not hear. We are a crack team of technologists right here at Smashbox, <laughs> let me tell you. It is all together. A, we run a very tight ship here. So uh, I do want to thank uh, Wes. He has been very gracious with his time and his insight and as I said, if you go to PDGA, which is something I would like to talk about for a second, if you go to the uh, PDGA's YouTube page, which I think is PDGA Media on YouTube, you will find the U.S. Disc Golf Championships uh, from this weekend. It was a unique opportunity that I was presented with, which is, and and we're seeing this happen, you know, on the Pro Tour and and some other events from time to time. Is unique situation where they had asked if I would be interested in help heading up the team to capture the footage and utilize a new graphics package that had been put together that is all PDGA branding. So rather than me showing up and using Disc Golf Guy logos and graphics and all the things that I use week in and week out, they had worked with Gatekeeper and Gatekeeper had designed a branded PDGA graphics package. It looks sharp. It looks very similar to what you see from Gatekeeper with a few adjustments. It looks very sharp. Uh, it's very polished and professional and looks great. The downside is because I've never used that graphics package, the learning curve was hours upon hours upon hours. And and Mike over at Gatekeeper was beyond amazing. He was essentially my live 24-7 tech support where I'd be like, hey, I'm trying to do this. Thanks, pal, because that's and, normally me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he, you wouldn't even know what was going on. So he, because it was a, a, a graphics package, and when we speak about graphics packages, we're talking about the little you know, distance for the, for the hole. You're talking about the scores changing. You're talking about the birdie and the bogey graphic shows up, the leaderboard information. That's, that's what we're talking about when I'm, you know, that all encompasses a graphics package. And Mike, thankfully, was able to kind of walk me through as he had built this. Again, it was, it looks great. It is great. It just is a learning curve. And what normally takes me three to five hours wasn't even done in like 12 or 14 hours. So it made my weekend very long and very, very stressful and, and challenging. Again, it's simply because of the learning curve and as much assistance as they provided. Uh, and, and I'm so glad that I've now gone through it. 
it delayed everything a little bit more than we had hoped. And so that's why even after Sunday's playoff and, and a six-hour drive home, I'm arriving at 1 or 2 a.m. after just a couple hours of sleep and then editing for another three to four hours and then doing the commentary and providing it to the world uh, accidentally. So that's a backstory to everything that's taking place. But if you want to see it, it will be all on the PDGA media page on YouTube. Uh, that's where it's being housed. And then there will be a copy of it ultimately uh, archived on my YouTube page as well. But if you're wondering like, hey, this feels or looks kind of weird. Why am I hearing Terry doing stuff on PDGA's YouTube page? You know, that that's kind of the entire backstory to it. And understandably, the PDGA wants to make sure that their efforts and their support of their majors is fully recognized and experienced and um, them supporting and having coverage for their channel uh, for all those reasons definitely makes sense. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, we, before the show, or last week, I think even, you talked about having someone to go out to the Minnesota Majestic to do some Boom! Filming. Good we, stuff. We see that, uh, spoiler alert. We have the Minnesota Three, Majestic winner two, to announce. One. Greg Barsby won the Minnesota Majestic. Kale said that it was a pleasure to watch one of the most epic putting performances he's ever seen. You- wow, I hope some channel finally edits that and releases it. I hope some channel has that too, Terry. <laughs> yes. When are So when are we going to see the Minnesota Majestic from you? Which year? <laughs> <laughs> 2019. <laughs> uh, I have in the archives... 2021 and now 2022's Minnesota Majestic <laughs> exclusively will be available to you on the Disc Golf Guy channel with by 2023 <laughs> with my less um my uh my less uh, polished graphics package. So are we going to see 2022's graphic or uh package soon? Are we going to see the event? <laughs> this is getting weird. Yeah, well. <laughs> are we going to see 2022? When are uh, we going to yes. see? Yes. So here here's the deal. Because I was fully contracted and committed to being at the U.S. Amateur Championships, super excited to do so. My buddy Dustin and I went over there and were in Milford for that uh, epic event. The Majestic was also going on, and uh, we've, I've made it a point to find myself over at the Majestic to capture footage the last few years, usually on my own accord. Always, it's been on my own accord. And this year, a good friend of the show, Smashy, and uh, all-around great guy, uh, Ryan Pilcher, was dead set on the idea of also consuming the Majestic. So we met up as I was heading through Chicago area to go to Michigan. I We met up with Ryan with another camera as he was then the next day going to go to Minnesota. So as the Disc Golf Guys efforts and channel and uh, overall workload are scaling, uh, we were able to capture footage in both places. So Ryan was ultimately in Minnesota. He followed Greg Barsby as a quote-unquote feature card for round one. So he got all the action from round one, Mm -hmm. single camera. And then during uh, round two, of course, he was with that lead card, as you just referenced, Kale, uh, Greg Barsby, a couple other individuals. I don't even know if I know the whole story yet, but uh, I know that it was captured. So yes, yes, and yes. 2023. (laughs) Look for it exclusively on a Disc Golf Guy channel production someday. Okay. There's the story. 
it'll be out at some point. No, uh, we of course. There's if you haven't gathered, there's a lot of catch up. Also, something that's uh, going to be coming out, and uh, I think maybe as early as tomorrow now, is the Maple Hill Invitational. Uh, that was an event that Steve Dodge had reached out to myself and Matt Graham. Uh, it is fully edited now, <laughs> and that is going to get released as well. So it says, now available on the Disc Golf Guy, the Vintage Channel. I think we need to rename your thing to like ESPN Classic to just like... Instant Classics? No, to the, the Disc Golf Guy, Disc Golf Classics. <laughs> there you go. That's a good idea because I have some footage, truth be told, that has never been seen by the world that is still worth watching. You have... The epic Macbeth playoff. I have the Macbeth Waisaki playoff from 2014. And as the story and goes... you're still editing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, not, it's just on a couple of hard drives. As the story goes, that playoff happened at Worlds 2014 in Portland, one of the greatest playoffs of all time. I was out there filming um, on my own accord. I had played in the event. I somehow didn't make the cut. And you didn't make the playoff I wasn't either. In the playoff, That's I really strange. <laughs> it was bizarre. I was like, you guys aren't doing the right math out here. <laughs> so I didn't make the playoff. And uh, I think it was during the final nines, or the original final nine, there were so many people that were around the, the, uh, the, the feature card, the final nine card. I was just getting frustrated. Like, I was just running around with a camera. It was still kind of a free-for-all at that time, and I was running around with my camera getting stuff, and I was just getting annoyed with how big the crowd was. I know, funny problem, right? And so it was partly that, and it was halfway through, and I realized, holy cow, there's no one covering the FPO finals. Like, there's nobody over there. There was a small gallery, but there was, I believe, no media over there. And so it was at that point I peeled off, and I was like, I'm going to go catch up with them. And I got, I don't remember the exact count of holes. I don't know if it was the last three or four or five or whatever. But I went over and captured the FPO final, the final putts for which there was no playoff. And the, and the other guys weren't into the playoff yet. And I captured it. And if I recall, I was the only video camera on Katrina Allen when she tapped in and won her world championships in 2014. Which is a far cry from where Disc Golf Media is at today. But at that time... Had I not run over there, there would be zero footage of Katrina tapping in for a world championship title. Amazing. So uh, my point, though, is they went into the playoff. Uh, the men eventually went into the playoff. I captured all of the playoff as well. And that night was a little bit crazy. It's Portland. It's the end of Worlds. Things got a little crazy, and I was not in a next-day mentality by any means back in 2014. Marty McFly had been there. He had captured the playoff and he had it up by that night or the next morning. And I was like, okay, well, people have seen it. I don't need to, I don't really care about putting it together. And I've, I'm sincere in that. I was just like, it's out, it's available. So I've stored it away on a hard drive. And uh, that, along with some other very expensive NFT someday, you'll be able to get the hard drive <laughs> and, uh, and some, something else to, to commemorate it. So someday that will be, I think the 10-year anniversary makes the most sense, right? Two years from now, I, sit, I get Paul and Ricky. We sit down together, and they both commentate on it as the 10-year never-seen-before footage. That'd be kind of cool. Or never... never released before footage or my version of it it's obviously been seen but i don't know 
Might be kind of cool. <laughs> as Brian Shields says, it'd be awesome. You released that playoff in 2024 as a 10-year and it would be extra cool to try and get Paul and Ricky to commentate <laughs> with you moderating. Well, okay. Brian, I think someone... Uh, I'm just going to get up and leave here. So, Yeah. All oh, right. Mo says, do you think... Uh, I'm done with all my work. I'm either coming on the show to talk live or I'm going to bed. <laughs> Mo, if you want to come on the show to talk live, Terry can send you the link. Do I have to? You do. You have to. Only because I know nothing about... I know none of the details, and therefore okay. I'm expecting Mo to be wildly insightful on this. Oh well, that's we usually have a no mo no mo no mo rule here, <laughs> no don't <mo>. we? <laughs> if I could only spit it out, Mo, we'd love to have you. Let's uh, let me send you a link, and uh, we can have you talk about it. Mo says, "Do it. Send me a link. It's just a VMix link, Mo. So it's just like you're a commentator on uh, this Golf Pro Tour. Hopefully, you can figure it out. Yeah, or you could do some more interviews." So let's see the easiest way to send this to... Yeah. So this weekend, obviously, being a Silver Series event, we had a new director, Gary to the O. Little Gary. <laughs> Little Gary. <laughs> I only joke about that. Um, it got to do his first directing. The guy who's done the most... He's been involved in more live broadcasts, probably even than me now, because I've been mm-hmm. taking a few steps back. Yep. Finally got his chance to sit behind, you know, the wheels of steel. No? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, he, he finally got his chance to do directing, so it was pretty awesome. He he had a couple questions originally, but... Uh, yeah, so Gary to the O was doing the directing this weekend, uh, even more so proving... Um, that he can do anything. Yes. He literally exactly. can do anything. And and so he got to do directing. So there, I know there was a little issue with uh, the commentators and some hot mics the first FPL round and that they were hot mic'd the, for every commercial. <laughs> but, you know, if you know what's coming, at least. Uh, but they were able to figure it out for MPO. And then there was some issues with some comment or uh, the questioning for the final round and Mo stepped in. So we're going to talk to Mo about, uh, about Live Golf. We're not going to talk to him about uh, DGN or DGPT. Stuff. Hi, Mo. Hey. You what didn't up? Hear me? Yeah, you sound great. You didn't cut your hair yet. Uh, no, I, I need to do that pretty soon. Yeah, do you, you want me to do it? Ooh. Start <laughs> out. Shear, shear me like a sheep, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's, let's do let's Let's work on like, first, we'll shave the sides and leave the back long for a while, like kind of like a mullet. And then yeah. you can hang with that for a day or two and then go to a real barber. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> like, because like originally it was laziness that let it get this long, but mm-hmm. now it's laziness that makes me want to cut it because it's like now it's inconvenient. It gets in soup. Mm. You know, it's that yeah, sounds it's gross. gross. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I definitely could do some layers, maybe a little coloring to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Mo, um, what? I don't give everyone. Talk, I can talk anything. I can talk anything. I, I know. Golf, we know how multifaceted yeah. you well, are. You don't have to flex your big brains on he us. He can talk NBA. Uh, he can talk golf. He can talk pro ESPN, tour. He can he talk can, camera. He's apparently. He can talk cats. He literally said he's the best cameraman on tour now. I heard that. I, yes. <laughs> he was talking I, I was, to Evan I was saying, watching, I got this. Yep. I was watching back the Beaver Safe Fling. And like. I So we I, I purposefully try not to learn who is operating what camera so that Same I don't here. like give don't give preferential preferential treatment and it was like a bizarro thing where i could tell which camera i was in the broadcast because of how bad it was <laughs> i was noticeably bad it was I mean, uh it was embarrassingly bad it's wow it's really funny because I, I was with you i remember we were sitting in my basement and i specifically was telling people i don't want to know your name 
I just, I want to know what number yeah. you are. Your camera two, your camera four. Names are for when we hang out. But right now, you're just a number to me. And I want to keep it that it's, way. Well, it's way better. It's way better. Because, yeah. like, you know, like, I don't want to clear someone because I know they're, I don't know. It's yeah, just, it's, and you, you can usually figure it out. But. 100%. And then we have uh, Ian come in to do directing. And he's got a list of the numbers and their camera names because he wants to call them by name. And I look at that and go, oh, my God, no, you're you're I love our cameraman, but you're giving them too much. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be a number to me. So uh, we let's talk real quick about uh, about the live golf stuff, because I kind of want to I want to parallel it to the pro tour or disc golf if we can. Well, that I won't get into as much, but because just because I, you know, I'm an employee well, you, and I don't want I don't want to give for, up any information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you work for the quote unquote PGA in this aspect. Like, that's sure. what we are. Right. Yeah. And, right. and so there is the, the, the live golf tour. For those of you that don't know, there's a new golf tour showing up and they're basically paying all of the players that show up uh, crazy amounts of money, crazy amounts. Well, the big names are getting crazy amounts of money. I don't know if the, if the, if the lower tier yeah. no name guys, they're not like supposedly Dustin Johnson got 150 million Compared to Tiger Woods, who's apparently only made 121 million on tour, Tiger Woods is almost right. a billionaire. Um, from what I literally, I think, I think they said he was going to be a billionaire in the next couple of weeks or something, and he's going to, he's crazy. But they're paying people for only eight events. They only have to go to eight events in a year, as opposed to the pro or the tour. I said, almost said pro tour, the PGA tour, which, as you said, is 46 events. These big guys don't go to all of them. They only go to a, I don't say a handful, but they go to probably what 10, 15 of these events. And, and then good, the majors, a surprise, yeah, a surprising number. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And and so, where? What do you? What did you see? Did you watch the live tour? And what did you? I want to compare it. Let's do this. Let's compare it to the pro tour in uh, quality and yeah, ideas. That's what like, I'm interested. In. Like yeah, yeah. That's like, what I'm like, interested. Like, what, in. what did you? Stuff. Yeah, broadcast stuff. What did you see from the live tour that you went and went? Ugh. And what did you see? And you went, I would love if we could do that because they are like right between where the PGA is and where we are. They're, they're not right. as they're, they're not as expensive as a PGA. They don't have all the bells and whistles, but they're clearly a bigger staff than what the the, the six of us in a control room. Well, that, it's the five of us, first of all. But five. that's <laughs> that that's the thing that I was kind of I was looking for because they hired the top of the top. They hired like the best director. They hired the best producer. They hired so that's why I was like fascinated. You know, um, it's a really cool opportunity to see like you know, these genius people who are incredible. And how much does this brand like taint what they're doing? Because clearly the producer and the director are the best of the best. So like it if if we're not liking what they're doing, it probably has something more to do with the fact that we don't like live and not what they're doing. Because these are the same people that are pr- producing and directing like all the top golf programs every week. So um, yeah, I mean, what I thought was interesting is just first thing it's it's a resounding success that it happened right like that's that's step one it's like just that doing a thing is so hard we always talk about this jvdvd doing anything is impossible so just to do a thing and get it off the ground and have a broadcast that wasn't like a complete shambles is is a huge should be considered a huge win um i felt the weirdest thing was that like this is a and this is a very like not a very concrete piece of like feedback or notes or whatever but it just felt like it lacked like a life it felt like it was trying to be cool but it's it's golf you know what i mean like golf's just like inherently like not a cool fun fast sport like it's like it's like this you know it's a very like thoughtful slow beautiful sport 
and it's not trying to be like a video game. And they were like, it seemed like what they were trying to do was make it more like lasers and video games and stuff like that. Which Don't is like, blink, right? Yeah, that was yeah, that was like, their whole but, motto. But that's not the vibe of golf. Like that, it's just like a complete miss from like a creative perspective, I guess. Um, Instead like of don't overall, blink, like, we're usually thinking don't fall asleep. Like golf is yeah. a much slower, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, but, the the sport okay, is slower. It, the broadcast is fast. Yeah, yeah, the broadcast is blazing fast. But the like, even when they're bouncing around from putt to putt, it just like there's just there's like no heart in it. I don't know. Something mm-hmm. was missing. I couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, and I wonder. I'm honestly wondering if the branding had changed, and this was just a PGA Tour event. Would I feel differently about it? Um, I think part of it has maybe has to do with the stakes. Yeah. I mean, we, we yeah. know. Oh, yeah, that's a great e- point. Everybody there is getting paid and they have some weird. So uh, for those of you that don't know, the live golf tour is not only is it an individual event, but it's a team event. So you take, I believe there's 48 teams of four. No, wait, uh, I think it's a, teams of three teams of three. I'm sorry. 48 teams of three or something like 48 that. players, on 48 players. You're right. And they do shotgun start. So everybody's on the course at the same time. Which com- which messed up their graphics so much because they kept yeah. on saying like it says the top one to go, two to go, but it would flip back yeah. and forth for each point. It was like because mm-hmm. then there's backups and like that, like that was clearly a terrible idea. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think that's what that's the way they're going to stay because they want to have their broadcasts. They're trying to appeal to a younger audience. They're trying to make their broadcasts shorter. Everything happens within three and a half to four hours. They want to appeal yeah, to a younger demographic. I but the, but a, but a broadcast <laughs> happens right now is three to four hours. Like. Right, but, right, a but golf the, broadcast is three to four hours. The actual broadcast, but the whole event is, you know, eight hours or whatever it is because they're 10 hours right. or 12 hours. So you might get somebody on day one that you never see that can't happen here that maybe lights it up. And all you get is like what we do, a highlight package at the beginning of the round. Oh, cool. This right. is what happened earlier today. So they're trying to compress it. And they're putting these people into these weird teams that you get. Not only do you get paid if you win individual, if your team happens to win. You get paid X amount of money. Everybody gets paid. And it just, you're right. It felt like there was a lack of life. It felt like there was a lack of stakes. They have no cut. It's only three days. Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, no cuts. You play all no, three days. Well, not, not Friday, Saturday. Very interestingly. Or no, no, I'm Thursday, sorry. You're right. Friday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Is, you're right. No Sundays. Yeah. Where's this broadcast? It was on YouTube. YouTube. That okay. was also fascinating. And Facebook. It was on Facebook as well. Okay. Yeah. And so all, all free, all three days, free, yeah. no paywalls, yeah. commercial free because Nothing. they have no commercials. Nobody's bought in. Uh, as far as we can tell, nobody's bought into this tour. There was no ads in this, in these broadcasts. And, and it, they it were getting showed how many peak concurrent they had. And yeah. I watched on Thursday, it was like a hundred K. And then I watched again on Friday or Saturday. It was like down to 50 K. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. I think like, overall that I think I saw a peak on Saturday of like 63 or 65 or something. Yeah. Or, uh, that's uh, or Friday. Not that was impressive. That's not great. I mean, it's, that's it's a great. new, it's a new tour. It's on the internet. It's, I mean, who knows what golf channel gets honestly for, for, a, for an event in mid November that doesn't matter or late December or whatever that is. I don't it's know more, what that number is. I'm sure it's, it's more than more that. because you yeah. have just, so one of the, the headlines that I see is that a number of players have quote unquote left or are leaving the PGA. Uh, is there an exclusivity contract that the live tour is, is forcing players into, or they're just paying them appearance fees. Like what's the big controversy around this, 
this incredible money that's infused and being offered to these players and what lines are need to be drawn? That's a great question, Ter. So it basically ha- comes down to like golf free agency, essentially. Like a lot of golfers are like, well, oh, why can't I play this event? Like, why are you like preventing me from going and doing whatever I want? And uh, the PGA tour is kind of saying like, essentially like, yes, this is a monopoly sort of like I, I that's, that's the controversy basically is like, are you allowed to be a free agent and play whatever tour you want, play whatever events you want? Or do you, are you, if you're, if you're card holding tour member, are you like, do you have to play those events essentially? And the PGA tour is saying like, yeah, you do. It's like if it's like if the the Bulls and the Lakers like because basketball I think makes a little more sense in this analogy like it's like if the Bulls and the Lakers who are like the two big markets or the Celtics or whatever it's like if like all the top basketball teams got together and said the NBA is great but in the summer we're gonna have our own little mini league and we're gonna and we're just gonna monetize it ourselves like the NBA would be probably pretty upset about that right so that's just because it like kind of dilutes mm-hmm. their product a little bit so. Um, not a little bit. I looked at quite a lot. It's just like if you're part of this organization, organization, you're part of this organization. I think is kind of what the PGA is trying to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's which, like which, interesting which I didn't. Story. I don't think I realized that the majors are not part of the tour. Not yeah, exactly. I, I didn't yeah. know that. I thought it was just a tour event that they have elevated to major. And it was just a major because that's what everyone considers them. But yeah. the PGA basically looked at all these players. The minute they teed off, the PGA announced, cool, now that you've teed off, you're all suspended from the PGA. You can't come play us. But the majors still can can uh, let them play if they're going to. And I don't know what the standard is. They have all sorts of – I was watching other things as far as you know weight of competition – and the and all these other statistics as far as whether or not you can qualify if you're not a previous winner in a major because I think that all kind of uh, ties into it as well. So it's it's kind of it's kind of different. And one of the things I, I really was watching for was things like commentary, graphics. Every time something showed up on screen, there was a whoosh or a bing. There's it a was, lot of sound effects. Wasn't it was there? a lot. It was like a. It was like a video game, and well, I think that's what I, they were trying to. They, I think that was what they were trying. There was microphones in the cups, so yeah, a, a lot of them you would hear it like a clunk as the ball hit the cup inside, and a lot of people didn't like that. I didn't mind it so much. I didn't hear it too much, but but the so yeah the the funny thing is that the uh, um remember we talked about earlier in the year do we want to put a sound effect on our singers. Mm-hmm. And I knew the answer was no because I had watched enough of the ESPN Plus broadcast where they do have a sound effect on the stinger mm. to know that it's a terrible idea because it's just like <laughs> whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And it just gets really overwhelming really quickly. And I was like, and especially how fast we go in between cards that like it wouldn't make sense. It would just be like a whoosh fest. So um, yeah, I, I especially with golf, like golf. I think it's just a complete misunderstanding of what golf is because like, well, I think they're least, trying to change it. But the, I know, but you can't change the fact that golf is like this beautiful sport that's played outside in country clubs and like nature and bird sound and all this kind of stuff. Like it's golf is not this like high octane. It's not basketball. It'll never be basketball. It'll never be hockey or football or whatever. Like, so yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that like, I don't know why the, the Saudis, 
targeted golf of all sports, I guess. Um, maybe because it's like this elitist, prestigious sport, I guess. I don't know. So let but, me uh, uh, ask a few more basic questions, which is where are these courses? When are they being played? <laughs> is this going to be every single week? Uh, clearly, I- I'm guessing there's challenges. If these courses are all international, that they're not all as well-established and or vetted as our they're, PGA Tour courses, or no? Or yes? Uh, no, they're they're top of the top. I'm pretty okay. sure the Centurion Club is like a pretty highly regarded cl- venue. The next one's in Portland, so they're they're going all over the place. Okay, so the, I I was under the impression this was all international. That this this was not. I thought part of the appeal of this was that the fact that it was everything but. U.S., but that's just a dead yeah. wrong. De- dead, yeah, dead wrong. I think they're having no, at least at least two or three of them in the U.S. And it's only again, it's only eight events. That's all these players are obligated to show up and play is eight events, and they're getting paid at for, at every event massive amounts of money. Um, yeah, here we go. It's Portland, Bedminster, Boston, Chicago. Oh, Chicago, Chicago. Yeah, uh, Bangkok and Jeddah. Jed Jeddah, actually, yeah, and uh, Miami. Oh, so actually, so it's mostly in the U.S. To be honest with you, four of at least four, four in the U.S. Okay, I thought it was three, but I I, th- I don't think I was thinking of Miami. So they're they're closing at the Trump National Doral yeah. Miami just just to make so, it like that much more controversial. No, no, no. G- Good. For, th- that that's part of the uh, whole. This con- I haven't heard. Yeah, oh, okay. this is the part I haven't heard. So that's part of the. The controversy. I mean, there's a lot of controversy behind a lot of other things, and and I don't want to get too much into the money and the Saudis and all that other stuff. Like that's a whole mm-hmm. political thing that we don't need to talk about. Part of the uh, rumor conspiracy theory is a few of these are at Trump golf clubs, not just the finale. Oh, I think there's a few of them, and there is rumors that it's kickback for Trump going light on them for during his <laughs> presidency, blah, 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 that this was all part of like Carter a, again. Yes. Again, it's Carter. Again, there's a, there's a big, uh, no one knows if it's true or if it's conspiracy. If, if that's why some of these were chosen as as Trump, Trump does have relatively good golf courses on some of his properties, why they chose those versus others. I, again, not going to get into the political side of it because you can go out and look up all the stuff that you want. But that is one of the rumors slash conspiracy theories slash maybe real things that I don't know about. Yeah, I guess the the teams, I think a big part of it is like the teams I don't care about. Like, why are these teams together? Like, maybe if these guys were all best friends or something, but like the teams change every week. Oh, do they? Yeah, it's 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 like it's a random you get. I don't know if it's random or how it's assigned, but you get three players and they're different every week. So it's not like a, Oh, that's going to F up my fantasy live pool. It's not even like you keep this team throughout the season. <laughs> you get a new team every week. Are you sure? Is I'm, that really om- how it I'm is? almost, I'm almost certain yeah, of it. It's a, dr- it's a re- teams I think it's will be de- teams will be decided via draft the week of each event. What, yeah. That's uh, insanity. And, and you know why they did that this year? I'm fairly certain because they're still pulling in PGA players. Like, oh, so see. Patrick Reed, I think is about to join. And so is DeChambeau. And DeChambeau, who Patrick Reed is known for being a very big hothead on the course and a lot, very disliked on the PGA for by a lot of people. Um, and so they want people to come in and be able to join a team. I wouldn't be shocked if next year, after things have settled, you keep a team for a season. But this year, it's yeah. a redraft as they're bringing in more and more uh-huh. talent from PGA. They want these teams to kind of be... 
thing. But I thought I thought that was crazy that they're redrafting. I was like, oh, cool. I get a team shirt or whatever because uh, they were showing the uh, uh, a lot of the merch. I mean, they pushed this hard, Terry. They pushed merch and how much money these people are making. And so they had all the shirts with all the different like cheesy logos of these teams. And I thought, okay, so you get accustomed to a team. But you think it's bad enough in like NBA or NFL when your favorite player leaves your team. Every goddamn week you're getting a new team. Like, like, like oh, cool. I have Dustin Keeps Johnson you buying new week. shirts, bro. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep that inventory yeah. fresh. So here's the question, and I know you guys both you know, aren't necessarily looking to get into the politics and or, but my question really is, where's the, where's the, where's the financial (laughs) payoff? How does this come back? If we're talking about so far early, you know, not early, um, you know, or or resounding response in terms of viewership. And you're talking about these absurd amount of monies. Where's the financial payoff or is it trying to lose money as a write-off? So that's a great question. I actually listened to a podcast today talking about the exact same thing because it's not like a viable business model exactly like you're talking about. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that it's this thing called sport washing where the Saudis are essentially trying to like distract from... Like they're trying to like import golf to make it... to distract from the fact that they're doing all these other things which are not... Technically... Human rights violations. We'll say that. Yes. Yeah, sure. So um that's that's the idea is that it's just like a big spend to essentially like it's like a PR thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know yeah, I don't know that it's sustainable. I don't know if it's going to ever be sustainable like like I mean they have a, so much money that I don't know that it like matters a whole heck of a lot. Like maybe that it, it would they'll burn through the cash and it's fine. I wouldn't be shocked if this is costing them a billion dollars a year. And, and and maybe more and does that matter is is that significant enough to them or is that kind of they're able to just kind of be like eh, it's just a billion don't sweat it well and uh, and, and you're good again no sponsors so far if this keeps up and they bring in all this talent i think you're going to start seeing people just kind of be like all right maybe maybe mercedes or rolex or whomever some of these people are that that advertise well, with just- the pga I mean, you're so scared to advertise because, yeah, you're so scared to advertise. Then you get cut off from the PGA, which is like actually Mm -hmm. a real business. Like that would suck. Well, and that's a nonprofit. That's kind of my point is where, where's the, where's the, the short term payoff versus what might the, the long term implications mean? If some of these players leave and as you said earlier, are either suspended or, or lose their card or whatever the case is. I don't know uh, how it all works, but you leave and let's say this thing goes belly up in two years. Is everyone smart for going in and saying, hey, I'm going to go cash in on this while these guys are are, are just blowing money left and right. I'm going to go get paid, and then I'll yeah, find well, my way back onto the PGA when it's back to being the only game in town. Because I feel like that's, yeah, I don't know, these they're going after their, their bag? Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, they're getting the bag. The bag, <laughs> yes. It's all this lingo. I got it. I mean, if, if DJ got 125 mil from, from this, like, I don't think he has to go back to playing, uh, go back to playing... PGA tour. When so, done, someone right? on the someone on the board said two fifteen, two hundred fifteen million. I don't know. Oh, how, well, yeah. the number hasn't been official, but there's we're, been a few. We're splitting Mo's hairs at that point. Yeah, I mean, who cares? Fifteen, hundred fifteen, whatever. Well, the funny yeah, thing is, did, did you hear his reasoning? Like, oh, I'm just trying to do what's best for my family, and I can I can work less. I'm like, dude, you were making 
hundred million a year, probably in advertising. Things were and, tight, or maybe it's not that much. Maybe it's fifty million a year in advertising and sponsorship. And now you're going to make whatever this number is for the next three to five years. Really? Like you? you, yeah. you Times are you, getting you, rough you, over there. You, you can't. You, is is your private jet <laughs> sucking up that much fuel, buddy? I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh. I, I'm never going to chagrin, chagrin. I'm never going to give anyone crap for securing the bag, as they say. So mm. I feel All so right. bad for everyone who's like tuning in because it says GG and then they see me. Like, yeah, how disappointing is that? Yeah, it's, no, we are well, too. We're disappointed I mean, to have you. <laughs> it's, so. like, it's like GG, the nicest, coolest dude ever. <laughs> and, and then there's like, Mo. And it's, just some, it's just me. It's like, gosh. Mo. I know. Like, what a disappointment. We'll, we'll we'll relabel it if if it comes down to it. Yeah, don't worry. Our podcast is going downhill quick. So I guess the question is, if I'm offered, is there any chance I could be offered any kind of uh, broadcasting contract by this this new crew over there? And if so, should I take it, Mo? That that's my question to you. They'll offer you so much more than we could ever offer you. So yeah, absolutely. All right, somebody secure get my that agent. Bag, Terry. Yeah, somebody get my Terry agent. Secure that bag. <laughs> secure. I mean, every broadcaster they have is like incredible. Every like everyone mm-hmm. working on this thing is is amazing, right? Is there's no one working on this thing that wasn't like incredibly successful in the thing they were doing before this thing, which is why I'm like so fascinated by it because it's like these are clearly the best guys and the best. Men and, and yet, women doing this, putting on this pr- production, and yet, and yet, JVD, like you were about to say, go go ahead and say it, JVD. And yet, you and, and yet. I reveled a little bit in watching some of their mistakes, like when when yeah. we saw them. Someone, uh, Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson, who's on the tour, sunk a long putt, and for a replay, they hit it halfway through the replay. It went to their like don't blink. Yeah, their don't blink it like segment. The, it was the don't blink, don't blink stinger went to a foot. Yeah, a, a, a cameraman the, yeah. walking Ooh. and then back to the putt. That's a classic Johnny V move. That is a classic Johnny V move. <laughs> They're stealing your bingo. moves, Johnny. I had to you check off my did. bingo card. Did you see a cameraman's feet by mistake? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we we saw that they are not clearly perfect. It's new graphics. It's new. It, I mean, I'm sure even these guys are getting used to this because it is different. It's a different system and uh, you know and as is, much as much as i you know i don't care if this succeeds or fails to be honest i'm more interested from the broadcasting either. perspective to and, yeah, and i a, yeah. and i and i get a chuckle i'm like oh look they screwed up too <laughs> is it's, it's is like yeah it's really hard Really is anyone being well. criticized or second guessed for being yes. quote unquote a, a sellout <laughs> or or jumping ship or just chasing the bag or whatever? Are people being Absolutely. accused? Okay, Terry, they'd be criticized if 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 I've learned anything over these past few years is that people will criticize anything for any any anybody for anything. So well, fair. This is actually this is actually a criticizable thing. So yes, people are criticizing them. Okay. I'm ready to be bought out if they've got if they got big money. I'm ready. You want to be if I if I qualify, I'm I'm ready. Well, and Dust is out on the board who does great work uh, coming from the esports world. He said right here, if Terry leaves, I'm down to commentate for DGPT. Mo. So I've already got you a replacement all lined up. Yeah. I just need to uh, get in, ta- in in touch with my uh, LIV crew. So uh, they're they're going with Live, even though it's Liv. an abbreviation. Or stands for forty fifty four yeah, forty something. It's whatever the number is in Roman numerals. Is the number of players there are? 
Okay, so I thought I read somewhere minus, about. I thought I read somewhere it was fifty-four as. Or maybe that's it. That's what it is. No, you're right, Terry. You're right. It's fifty-four. It's fifty-four. Yeah, I'm, I'm practically right. a pro at this. I googled for ten seconds, and and I'm already on top of it. Okay. Yeah, I know if, if it isn't obvious, I'm asking legitimate idiot questions because I have not paid attention. I see a headline. I see somebody's leaving. There's. Uh, an argument or a discussion about it. They're getting paid some absurd amount of money. And then from there, that's that's about as far as my my uh, research is going. How do you feel if you're like that low man on the totem pole? Um, you, <laughs> you know, you're player 46. And then Patrick Reed shows up and they're like, hey, hey, hey Joe Smith. Yeah. You, you might want to cancel that Portland trip. <laughs> you were not going to be needed. <laughs> I was just in Portland. It's so beautiful. It's such a lovely little little town. So... Yeah, so you're normally, for those of you that don't know, Mo is usually our producer, and he's the guy that's telling every, you know, telling us in general what to show. You know, whether it's going to be stick with the lead card or sorry, feature card. We don't we don't cover cards. Stick with the feature players. Move to the second card. Let's let's send a camera over here. Let's show this. That's normally what Mo's doing. Fitting in commercials. Fitting in replays. You got I'm to. The, I'm the person. I'm the person you hate. By the way, oh, like yeah. if, you're watching, if you're watching the broadcast and you're like, "This broadcast sucks," it's like it's like 99 percent of the time it's because of me. Uh, okay. I'll give you 94. The other six percent, I'll take. Um, you got to you got to witness this from a whole other perspective. You got to be yeah the, for the first time. Now you've been a live cameraman in the past for us. Back when we were mm-hmm. much much smaller and it was a very tight crew. Now we've expanded. You got to go do something new. What did what did you learn from that that you're going to bring back into the control room and wreck my life with? <laughs> no, I, I I really uh I really enjoyed doing camera work. It was like honestly like very calming. Like it's very like therapeutic doing camera work because it's just like it's one thing. It's not chaotic. It's like you're film you film your shot and then you go to the next shot and it's just you're you're only focused on your shot, which is really really nice. Um and. It, the the audio quality was so great. I could like it's only hearing one voice. Like I only heard Gary, <laughs> which is like amazing. Like usually it's like six yeah. or seven voices. So to only hear one voice was really, really nice. Um which was also very soothing. It was just having like one person just talk to you the whole time. It was great. Um and I don't mind the rain. It wasn't like it wasn't Midwest rain. Like you guys know Midwest rain where it's like trying to kill you almost. Yeah, like, we had some like of that Portland. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. This is like Portland rain where it was like pretty like it was like refreshing almost. Like, you know, I mean, a few points it got kind of heavy, but for like for the most point, most part, it was like very tolerable. So I I personally really enjoyed every second of being out there. It was really great. I got to see all the guys, especially a couple I hadn't met, met in person yet. Uh, and it was nice to nice to meet the crew. I saw their their media trailer and how well organized it is. It's incredibly well organized. I, I really I was really impressed by like their system and how they have it all like dialed in. So just like we have it dialed in, I mean we're pretty much a well oiled machine on both fronts at this point. So um, yeah, I don't need to read so, yeah. emails. I'm set. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And Evan Evan saying we, we we lost three cameras to rain issues, which is true. Um, but so soothing. Uh, so were the cameras were the were the cam and again I wasn't involved in this broadcast at all I had stuff going on this weekend so were the, broad- yeah, the- were, were the cameras lost lost or were they just like they didn't they overheated because of the covering were they not functional? so yeah so the first camera that went down was on me on Friday I was filming for Central Coast and I didn't have the LCD screen 
uh, covered. Like I had the camera completely covered and everything, but the LCD screen I had out and that wasn't covered. So then that water kind of found its way into the little thing. And then the menu kept popping up and like scrolling through. So it was very hard to film obviously when the menu's doing that. So um, we, we shut it down just to make sure that the camera was safe. And then on Sunday, uh, the same thing happened to me. And then I was like, gosh, what's wrong with me? Like, how do I keep breaking these cameras? But then uh, it also happened to another camera op. So I, I felt better that it wasn't just me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, those cameras are tanks. Once they dry out, they'll be fine. It was yeah. just... It was Put just them in a, a big little... bucket of salt. They'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a little frustrating. Like, I hate to, like, fail on a round. But they just gave me a new one, which is nice. Um, and I'm sure Ian. I'm sure kept... Ian appreciated that. Like, dude, you broke my camera. What the hell? Oh, oh no! It was all it was all DGPT cameras. It was all DGPT cameras. Right. So, it, oh, so it, don't worry about it. it. Didn't miss out anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam doesn't yeah, care. I, <laughs> I love I love being out at Milo. Like, it's just one of my favorite places to be. I got to go for a few runs out in the park, which is really cool. And uh, I got to run out at Forest Park and like kind of downtown Portland on the Leif Erikson trail, which is like this famous trail I heard a bunch about. So yeah, overall it was a really, really good trip. I think it was successful in terms of like getting to, you know, meet people and talk to people in person, which I don't get to do very often. It's really easy to like hear the disembodied voice and not associate that with the person. So like, it's good that I got to meet those dudes in person and like, you know, show them that the voice is a person also, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I know I'm I'm worried I'm gonna lose my job because Gary said he liked he really enjoyed directing. He did. He told and, me that too. Yeah. And he he was like it was it was like and again Gary has come up from being literally just the guy doing some graphics next to me in my basement to he's done almost every job he did graphics he set up that one then he moved into replay which he's done he's done producing which is what Mo's does now he's done directing um he, he really on and he did cameras for us way back in the day live and yeah. post production. He is probably the most experienced person on the tour. He's done every job. I, I know I could not function without Gary. No, so none of us, none of us can. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to have to tamper him down. He had to ask me a question today, so I felt good because we're setting up the, <laughs> we're setting up the for the match play. We're adding an additional replay camera, so we're going to have two replay cameras for the match play. Roll C. Sting yeah. C. Yeah, I know. We're going to have a whole, we're going to have a C button as opposed to, I'm looking at my stream deck right here and I've got A, B and I need to add a C button now for another replay because we're going, uh, was it three, two, one, one, three on the, yeah. three on the lead or the feature card, two on the chase, two on the- one, and then because there'd be four cards out yeah. on the course, one and yeah. one, two single cams. So Mo, uh, d- since you're here, and it, the timing is good, and there's clearly nothing but chaos and confusion when Johnny and I were trying to break down this weekend's uh, show and broadcast that's coming up. Uh, what should people expect in in plain and simple terms? What should people expect this weekend? That's a great question. I'm really excited for it myself. Match play is is you know an interesting challenge. Stroke play is so simple because it's like here's a good shot, and the shot provides the context that immediately. Like why am I? Because like as a viewer you don't even realize it, but you're always trying to like, why am I seeing this? Like, it's, it's really weird to see a shot that you don't understand. Um, if I show you like Ezra Aderhold hitting an 80 footer, it's very obvious why that shot, you just saw it. Like, cause it's, it's awesome. It's really cool. Um, but with match play, if I, I like, it, it's very interesting. Cause if I see a really cool Ezra Aderhold shot, I almost need to see like the Kyle Klein 
like response, right? Like, like let's say, let's say Ezra's playing Kyle. There's a hypothetical, and Ezra makes the putt from seventy. That highlight's really cool, but it doesn't work on its own anymore. I need to show maybe Ezra was putting for birdie, and now Kyle's got a twenty footer for birdie. Kyle's twenty footer for birdie might not be visually appealing, but storyline wise, it's so important because it shows that he pushed the hole with Ezra. So like, that's the challenge of match play. That is, we found out last year like how much more difficult it is because usually when we do the broadcast, we're trying to focus on anywhere between eight and 10 players. They might be spread out across three or four cards or they might be spread out across three or four cards, but it's usually like right around eight to 10 players. Um, with match play, you have to think about every player. Uh, so it's 16 players. That's a lot. So um, yeah, I, I think kind of one of my goals coming in will be to, you know, keep it tight, keep it focused. And that's why we have the additional replay channel is uh, so I don't have to necessarily pay as much attention to that fourth card. Um, we can have a replay op just selling me like, hey, like in that example, Ezra hit a 60-footer, you're going to need to see the Kyle Klein 20-footer. Kyle Klein is also putting for birdie. Like I don't have to like pay attention to eight matches at once. So, um, so yeah, that's... that's yeah, the the, there, there's obviously there's always going to be context, but the context can generally be different. And... Um, so therefore the storylines, everything about it, uh, just is a little different. So my main, one of my main questions is, and I I got asked a lot over the weekend, cause I, and I genuinely don't know what is the, you know, people talk about this place being visually appealing and amazing and, and the course and everything else. I thought I looked on UDISC a few weeks ago and saw that the course as is doesn't appear to be a championship caliber pro tour caliber course is it without adjustments is it getting that's modified what what are we doing or or is it and i just was looking at the wrong data um that's not my <laughs> that's not something i want to get into necessarily it's not it's not what i like i just all not because i don't want to it's just like this is what dan and jeff kind of spent a lot of time working on and so are they I safari would, holes i guess that's my question the, like i'm not sure it, i'm not oh, sure okay. i'd have to look it up but i Did don't you get the think, email uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I, no, I, I honestly don't. I honestly don't know. I, I couldn't tell you with like 100 percent certainty. I got my caddy book, and I, but I don't know oh, okay. what the actual course well, is like. Shoot so. that over to me then. Send me an email, please, that I can ignore sure, for another sure. day or two. But send me that sure. email, please, because I want to take a look at said caddy book. Um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I don't I, know if that's like what the course is usually like. I've never been there, so. Well, and yeah, and, and again, uh, so in Bailey. Okay, well, it, so maybe I maybe I looked at the wrong thing. I don't know. There's Probably. one that says private, do not play without permission. That's 22 holes. And there's another one in Bailey that's listed as 21 holes, championship caliber mountain golf with scenic views, elevation change, and challenging greens. So very good chance. Yeah, it says it's closed. It's the 15th uh, through the 19th. So very good chance. I was just simply looking at, well, maybe not. It says right here, five layouts. So maybe I didn't have the right info in front of me at the time, but... Okay, well then I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you can just anyone can just go to UDisc and take yeah, a there look it for is. Bailey. Park. Here, I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll copy it, put Ter- it in the chat. Ter- don't don't get me in trouble, please. No, there's no trouble here. I I just genuinely didn't know anything about the course, so that's why I was just wondering what you did or didn't know because I knew I know nothing about it as of this I, point. I, I look at I look at Dustin's T signs. That's how I prep usually. Is I look at Dustin's T signs and then I look at the whole flyovers and I like I don't know. How it's different from what the course normally is. Oh, okay. Is. Well, and yeah. and and I I've just answered all of my own questions with two seconds of googling. It shows uh, <laughs> on UDisc, 
It says uh, 12 holes of match play. It's got the layouts on there. It's all on UDisc. Uh, I should have never doubted or second guessed that it would have all been um, right there in front of my face. I just wasn't, I don't think I was looking in the correct place. But it says 5,800 feet for the men's layout, 5,200 feet for the women's layout, par 40 for the women on 12 holes, and par 39 for the men on 12 holes. Which, so there you go. Speaking of which, there's a lot of people that dislike the 12 hole matches as opposed to like a full 18. And it, maybe it's because you and I are used to it in that we played the, the Sandy point team event, the match play event, which was a 24 hole course and therefore 12, hole therefore matches. 12 hole matches you'd play. So it was normal to us. It was normal to us, which I, I kind of feel 12 holes. I know there's a, at least two or three people on the board that are, that think that 12 holes is dumb as in they should be playing 18. Maybe I, I don't know, or nine, but I feel like at 12 holes, you've, you've, I think that's plenty. I think that's 12 enough. championship caliber holes. Mo, who, who made that call? That was um, you. That was you again. That, no, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, 12 holes make sense for the broadcast because otherwise we mm-hmm. couldn't do this pool play thing, which yeah. is much better for competition. Like last year, it was just uh, the, the downside is that like a player could like show up on Friday and then just like be done. And we wanted to kind of give players an opportunity to play a few more rounds. So that's why this pool play thing makes a lot of sense. And pool play also makes a lot of sense because I mean, it is, it is compelling. It's good competition. Um, You don't just have one bad match and you're out of it. Like, so I I like it as a form of competition and this 12 holes makes it a lot more feasible that we like can do three broadcasts a day. Like I couldn't do three 18 hole broadcasts a day. Right. So yeah, three 12 hole broadcasts a day. Now it's it's still going to be difficult, but at least it's 36 total still at the end of the day. So it's, it's still doable. Yeah. I've got no issue with 12. I mean, there's no, it's a match play event. There's no reason. It could be 14. It could be 11. I mean, you could really, uh, almost all those numbers are just an arbitrary number at that point. Correct. If you're not, as TB says, he's like, I'm just warming up after 12. Well, then you're going to lose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should warm up earlier. And if that's the way you play a regular golf game, then too, I feel bad for those last six holes because you're going to dominate them. But the 12 bogeys you just took isn't great. Yeah. So, uh, again, it's a, it's match play. You you better come out ready. And at 12 holes, I, I've, I've got, you're right. It could be 13. It could be 15. And who cares? Next up. So. Live tour, <laughs> live tour disc golf. <laughs> no, we're going to talk after we get Mo off the air. Uh, we're going to talk about oh, you please, and I, yeah. you, you and I, starting our own live tour for disc oh. golf because we have, we have, we we can wash our money mm-hmm. that we get. Pay- First, we need money. Yeah. Well, we'll that's <laughs> step two, Terry. First, create the tour and then get the money. I think that's ah uh, okay. That all makes more sense. Uh, uh, Mo, we've got a long stretch in front of us before we let you go. Uh, but the, sure. the tour, the network. Long stretch in front of us. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. give us a quick overall preview of what what's in store for viewers over the, the this these next few grueling months. I mean, we talk about grueling. It's just fun. I, I'm, I'm seriously <laughs> looking. No, okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I look forward to every weekend. Like I really do like doing these broadcasts, and I I I don't know. It's like uh, kind of like I'm getting bored now. Like. JVD knows what I'm talking about. Like these broadcasts are really fun having some cameras and just watch, like, I've probably watched more disc golf than any other person in on the planet. Cause I watch three cards every round, you know? So like it's, it's a lot of golf all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and it's really exciting when you're when you're kind of in it and you're rolling and everyone's working together really well and we're just showing a lot of cool golf and cool stuff's happening all over the place like it's really really fun so um i'm i'm just looking forward to all the all the competitions the ones i'm looking forward to the most probably are the u.s women's um that is always my favorite that's been that was my favorite event to cover last year and um i expect it'll be my favorite event to cover this year again especially because it's at uh, Valarta and uh, and High Stand, which are two courses I, I was fortunate enough to play during the 2016 M Worlds. Um, so it's very rare that I've been to a course that we cover, and so this is be one of the rare times where I I, I will have that experience. Um, that one I'm really looking forward to. Really looking forward to Preserve is always one of my favorite covers. Um, really looking forward to Iowa again, um, just because that was like a really interesting course last year. I I love covering the Elite Series. I think they're super fun. Um, I feel torn because you're right in that, you know, high stand, um, as Terry and I can attest, there's probably nobody, well, there's definitely nobody on our tour that knows high stand better or Elver than you and I uh, in our, in our group. And I'm not, I have nothing to do with the event. I'm, I'm hoping to be there, hang out, say hi to the guys, follow some golf and watch it. There's a small part of me that's like, well, this is the one event that'd be awesome to, it would actually be helpful. It'd be helpful to be, to be behind the controls and be able to say, Oh no camera, you're going to want to be 25 feet further. This disc, you know, the the players are going to play more of an Anheuser here. You can cut through right here to get to the other hole. If you want to go from 18 to 12, you just take a right, right here. This is the one that I'm going to kind of be like, all right, I I love that it's nearby my house and I can go actually participate and see golf for once you know a year they're, but but you're right it's very not, strange they're not playing elver right i think they are i don't uh I, they are other divisions are playing sorry but the but the fpo is fpr only playing elver and uh token creek yes. so you're incorrect uh, oh they're not playing high stand, high stand you're, you're is in play them. for other divisions yeah you're not going to see high stand oh thank so gosh. elver okay. elver and why, token why creek are that? in play <laughs> Because I well, I thought it was going to be three courses. Oh no! It's, I would, no, it's it's, uh, it's two, two courses. Two courses. It, it's Elver and, and Token Creek. And Token Creek is like, it's easy. I was I, well, easy to cover. It, I was, I was blown away when I when I um it's, when I played it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. And like the the plains mm-hmm. and like the no, like there's all these big mature trees. And mm-hmm. I I was a very kind of novice golfer at the time, so I wonder if I think about it differently now. But like. I just remember back then being like shocked that a course could look this this beautiful. So I'll have to look and see what they're playing. Cause I know since in in the last ten years they've added holes to uh, to Token Creek, and and there's a few more areas. I don't know if we're doing an eighteen hole layout. What eighteen those are versus I think there's twenty four out there now. There's twenty seven. They announced it all today on the on the oh. page. Oh, did they? Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I'll have to take a look then. Uh, which which ones we're playing? Because it is a twenty seven hole layout. And which ones yeah. that we will be playing because there are, um, I would say two thirds of that course is pretty open. Like the cameramen yes. are going to have not a problem. And then there's a, there's a center strip, um, from the original 18 that is a little bit more wooded and tight, a couple, one or two blind shots. But I mean, it's, it's going to be relatively straightforward. I think. Yeah. Just today mm-hmm. they announced all the official pin positions oh, good. Uh, that are going to get played for the event. So uh, right. course layouts and configurations. I will look at that. Are all listed. So Elver high stand. Yeah. Listed as Elver high stand capital Springs and then token Creek. So basically the same courses we played for am worlds. Yeah. Am worlds. And, and uh, you're, you're not going to, you, you played uh, 
Bird's Runes for Amworlds too, probably, didn't you, or no? I did. Yeah. I played that one really poorly. I've that never played was, that course. Yeah. It was really tough. Elver is the one with the top of the world shot at the end, yeah? Yes. Uh, yes, at the end. I was going to say, High Stand has a very similar shot on hole three. So it's uh, they both are, are you three, know... Three, uh, is it 12? Big ski hills the, and the one down or, the hill, uh, the sledding hills. So. Is, is it 12 that goes down the other way at High Stand? 14. 14? Yeah, you're right. Sorry, 14. Holly, All right, Holly Mo. Finley. Holly Finley? Holly Finley, early pick. She might win. She I mean, the, the, I, she clearly hometown. has more rounds there than anyone else uh, on our tour. So uh, some hometown vibes and 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 resident vibes and all that other stuff. So, But if, yeah. you're, if you're going but according to what pressure. she loves, Elver's going to be where she's going to play well and not so much token. Uh, yeah, so. token. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, kick me off. It's past my bedtime. It's only because I'm on West Coast time still that I'm even awake right now. So. <laughs> oh, my. Well, we appreciate your insights. Yeah. Uh, you're no double G, but you are pretty amazing in oh, many gosh. other ways. Uh, but seriously, you thanks for jumping jerky, on. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if so, you bribe me so with jerky, weird. I'd like you more. But <laughs> until then, you're going to have to get your jerky I'm game so up. sorry. <laughs> GG, I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, seriously, we appreciate you. Uh, thanks for everything you're doing in the control yeah. room and everything you're doing for disc golf. Glad you got to get out and enjoy some Portland and ruin some cameras. And uh, we look forward to. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'll be on the call tomorrow night. I think I actually have to get to the airport right around when you schedule the call. But I think I'll be on it tomorrow night. I'll, so we'll I'll see you then. Call you. Can I call you at a different time to go over like specific logistics with you? Sure, but uh, yeah, uh, let, let me double check my schedule. That. I think I get to the airport right around the time of our uh, media and, call tomorrow night. And Terry gets to the airport early, like a human. Uh, not, no, oh. not, uh, I'm like I'm on it's mo the, time. I like getting there as late the as possible. Thing, it's the only thing I'm right about. I'm wrong about everything in the world except for get, folks. You know, this is, let me get this message out real quick. Let me look, where's my camera, folks? Get to the airport thirty minutes before your boarding time, if that. You just that's exactly get, what I do. It never, it's never taken anyone more than 10 minutes to get through security, get TSA pre-check, and yep. then just walk right to your gate, unless you're going through an airport that you don't know. Or it, or have checked baggage. Yeah. it's Because uh, I'll, it's I'll tell you what, we, they, they don't do checked baggage. 40, it's usually a 45-minute cutoff for checked baggage. They might not bring... Yeah, but a half hour before you? your boarding is one hour before your flight, so you're good. <laughs> okay. I, I'm with you, Mo. I am 100% right. on your on your uh, on I, your train of thought. I, came here. Back, I agree. With I came you. back from Houston the other day. I was at the airport two hours early. That's stupid. Which That's I love because uh, I could just sit so there dumb. and play play around on my phone. I know where to be anyway in Houston, so it didn't matter to me. I'm with you, Mo. I disagree. Anyway, but I, I do I, have I, TSA <laughs> pre and clear, so I, I flew right through. It took me like 12 seconds. All right, bye, Mo. Mo Barani, Mahmoud, one of my favorite people. Oh. That's good for you. <laughs> ah, he's one of my favorites too. Uh, he's such a great insight into a lot of different things, especially production. Um, you know, give or take his golf takes, whatever you want. <laughs> but the the production he has elevated our broadcasts beyond what I could imagine. You know, four years ago, you for know, certain. We 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 had a in my mind we had a nice long run up. Before uh, before the Pro Tour changed hands, and we are where we're at now, like five, six, seven, eight years earlier than I expected. And granted, I didn't also foresee a giant COVID boom either. So there's that. Yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate uh, the effort that Mo has not only uh, 
personally and specifically brought, but then kind of the fallout and the residual and everything else that surrounds him uh, for all the reasons that you just said. So we appreciate you, Mo. We're going to cut out of the regular show. I don't know. Johnny's got stuff for the after show. I don't have too much more, but no, not we'll, much. We'll, we'll rejoin you guys for the after show, even though that felt like it right there. Uh, I have not heard from Double G, so all I'm going to just politely say is just hope that he's okay. I'm, I'm guessing that it's either a cell phone issue uh, or, or something of that nature. We were literally texting moments before the show. So I'm just going to, uh, and of course, Double G is, is always so gracious and kind and uh, receptive and prompt and everything else. So I'm going to assume something had happened that has obviously prevented him uh, from jumping on because we were exchanging text, text moments before the show. So I'm not saying anything uh, hurt or wrong has happened. I'm just guessing that he must be in an area with no... No coverage or he's on the live tour nature. now. Sorry, <laughs> or he's he's rejo- he's joined the live tour. Uh, either way, we hope that all is well. Whatever may or may not be going on, Double G. Um, and if you happen to hear this or know this, you're still welcome to call in in the after Always. show. But I'm guessing I'm guessing there is something significant preventing you from uh, hopping on with us. So I apologize to anyone out there, as I'm sure he would. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing he, we'll get a a clarification tomorrow that states there was some kind of technical uh, issue that prevented him from joining. So for Johnny V and myself, along with Mo who joined us, we appreciate the insight. Looking forward to this weekend. Congrats to all of our uh, winners this weekend and uh, any other champions from other events as you guys compete around the country and around the U S and around internationally, I should say Uh, congrats to everyone out there. But, uh, Incredible performances, especially that we saw by Valerie, along with Double G, and over at the U.S. Am Nationals. It was an honor to be able to watch uh, Michael, or sorry, Ilkin grow, take it down. Um, incredible. And then we've got Greg Barsby. So we've got plenty of media from this weekend. Johnny, Terry, that's 407. We'll see you in a few moments in the after show. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 